Hey everybody, Doug here. Wanted to do a quick announcement up top. Um, this episode on Batman was recorded before Hollywood went on strike and I held on to it as long as I could until the strike was over and I'm releasing it now. So uh, that is why the promo stuff at the end of the episode is going to be way off base. So the you can ignore that. The actual episodes coming up next are uh, one on the 16-bit era of Disney video games, followed by uh, the Care Bears franchise, and then uh, an episode on Crash Bandicoot. That is the current plan. Um, the other thing that's happened since we recorded this is that our guest, Alex Sosin, has released the trailer for his uh, upcoming horror short film, The Canyon. So I put a link to that trailer into the show notes so you can watch it and get a feel for what it's like. It's, uh, it's a cool 70s throwback, so I think I think you'll dig it. So uh, that's it, and uh, now let's get on with uh, with The Batman. Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... In the words of both Prince and Michael Keaton, let's get nuts, because today we are talking about 1989's Batman by Tim Burton. I have been uh, talking on the show about wanting to do an episode on Batman for a long time, and just to give you an idea of how influential this movie was, I think it has come up in maybe a third of our episodes, including the ones that have nothing to do with superheroes or, or any connection to Batman. It comes up because this movie was just, this was a bombshell creatively. So I'm really excited to talk about it. And uh, with me, of course, we're, we're, I'm not doing it alone. I've got a dynamic duo. With me is a, a filmmaker in his own right and someone who I know loves this movie probably more than anything. And I know him from the prestigious film school known as Top of the World Elementary School, Alex Sesson. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, so th- let's do what we did when we were nine. Let's talk about Batman. <laughs> well, first of all, I, did, I wanted to say I have a memory of you we go so far back, actually. Like I, I remember, we were talking about Superman Four, which came out in 1987, and also Inner Space, which you saw before I did, also in 1987. So it's just, it's just far. It's just so funny how far back we go in the movies we talked about that we actually saw in real time in the 80s. A lot of people don't get to do that. We, we were there. Yeah, I, I was thinking about my nostalgic memories of of uh, 
Batman. And there, a lot of them are kind of wrapped up around uh, hanging out with you and talking about it. Mm. Like, I remember going over to your house and you were able to draw from memory all of these different Bat logos. So you could, you did the one from the Burton movie. You did the Adam West one. I think mm. some of the, like, Frank Miller, whatever they were at the time, you were able to just, from memory, just freehand these drawings. And yeah. I was super impressed at your Bat knowledge. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I, I don't remember all of that, but that, sa- that sounds like something I, I would have done at the time. <laughs> that sounds, yeah, I'm a little bit older now, but I remember doing that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so tell me, like, because I know this movie was a big deal for you. Tell me yes. what it was. Like, why did it connect with you that way? Well, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I, as a kid, I saw less movies than I see now. I see a lot more movies. You know, it just wasn't a thing where I'm like at the movies all the time, especially, you know, you're nine years old. You're, you're just not seeing movies all the time. But I, I specifically remember that before Batman came out, I was obsessed with, to me, the, be- the best, one of the best superhero movies ever made, which was Superman the movie, Christopher Reeve, and of course its sequel, the, the Richard Lester cut of uh, Superman 2. So that was my intro to superheroes was kind of like the hunky dory, you know, just like larger than life and, you know, just happy Boy Scout Superman. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was nine years old and I saw with my mom. First, I saw the trailer for Batman in 1988. And I think it was in front of a movie called Shipwrecked, which was Disney's Shipwrecked, which I don't know. We might have seen together. Actually, I don't have any memory of that. Yeah. I, I don't. I, you could be right. I just don't remember. No, the movie. I know this is. It's been a while, and I, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to go too crazy. But I, I specifically remember that I saw a trailer, and the trailer was the first version of the trailer that was essentially released when every fan went to a movie just to see the trailer instead of just seeing, seeing, watching the whole movie. It was kind of like what happened with Star Wars, where you just watch a trailer and then you leave the film. Um, but I specifically remember that Michael Keaton was serious, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a more serious Michael Keaton. He's still quirky, but there's something, something's off with this guy. And then all of a sudden they cut to these shots of Batman in, in kind of a, a dark version of the comic version that I was used to. And I was, I was used to not the Frank Miller Batman. I was used to the, the happier, you know, uh, super friends version of Batman where he's smiling. And then all of a sudden you see this, you know, Michael Keaton saying, you know, I remember in the trailer, he's like, you know, I, ca- I can't make it. I have a very important meeting today. He's, t- he's brushing off uh, Vicky Vale. And then it just cuts to all these shots of him in the costume. And I didn't get it the first time. I thought, is this a movie about a guy who thinks he's Batman? And I didn't get it. Is it like a guy who has schizophrenia or he th- he's living multiple lives? And I didn't make the connection that this actually was the Batman movie, specifically the icon, one of the most iconic films of the 80s. And so I put it together and the next thing you know, it's just kind of a scary feeling. It's it's kind of like, so wait, this is like Batman for adults? Maybe I shouldn't watch this. But inevitably, I did see the film. Um, and it's scary. As a nine-year-old, it, you know, I was more used to, like, in, in 1989, I saw, like, you know, Ghostbusters 2, which was a little more safe. Also, also a fun summer movie. And that was scary, too, with Vigo the Carpathian. But... When you see my when when you see Michael Keaton show up in this movie on those those sets designed designed in England, which looks so otherworldly, it looks like a grimy metropolis that I don't think Christopher Nolan got right. If you if you ask me, I think Pattinson came close um, with his version of Gotham City. You literally see it's it's like a comic book come to life in in more of a nightmare version. This is like like as a kid, it was almost like the Freddy Krueger version of Batman. I mean, here's a guy who is probably crazy, which I don't think a lot of actors have gotten as Bruce Wayne, but you, you, you get it with Michael Keaton that this guy I think has mental problems and yet you're, they're playing this triumphant theme. So it's like two things working together just in, in, 
it's like very Phantom of the Opera in a way. And then then here he is in this suit, which is still my favorite suit, the original, not even the return suit, beating the crap out of these almost homeless criminals. And the next thing you know, Jack Nicholson gets shot in the face. As a, as a nine-year-old, you're like, oh, my God, this guy gets shot, shot in the face, fell into acid, and all of a sudden he becomes the Joker. So as a, as a kid, what attracted to me and what, what, why it's still one of my favorite movies is that it is a very adult, no-nonsense, yet, yet fantastical version of Batman that Tim Burton got right because Tim Burton is very weird, and I hope he never changes because he, he gave us the masterpiece of the 80s as far as a superhero movie. It, it became as iconic as Christopher Reeves' uh, Superman, and now you have... You just have a movie that's going to stand the test of time, and um, those were my first thoughts that I was that I was scared, and that this guy was wearing an adult, you know, rubber. He looked like a literal dark knight coming out of the darkness, and the, no other costume has matched that costume, as far as I'm concerned. So overall, I, I love Batman because it because it scared me as a kid, and I always liked that. I like being scared as a kid, and then growing up and remember those memories, and I, I like it because it, it's just one of the most iconic movies ever made from the theme by Danny Elfman, which is up there with John Williams Superman theme. I mean, it just has so many elements that are ghoulish and macabre. And, and I think a lot of superhero movies don't dare to go there. And yet it never loses sight of the fact that it's a fantasy, which again, a lot of superhero movies lose track of where they're all serious without being a little tongue in cheek. This had everything. This had everything in the eighties. Yeah. I mean, this became the template. I mean, we've, we've used this term on the podcast before we talked about Batmania, which like, if, if you're not old enough to remember it, like the, I mean me, you, like all these kids and adults were just all of a sudden became huge Batman fans yeah. where it wasn't cool to like Batman before because all we had was like Adam West and, yes. you know, and super friends and like people, not as many people were hip to stuff like the killing joke and the dark Knight right. returns, which were the influences behind this, these really dark Batman comics, which the killing joke is so influential that basically every Batman story afterwards was like, we, we were inspired by the killing joke. Like, well, no shit you were because yeah. every Batman artist is, and yeah, they say it every time almost. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love the Nolan movies. I think they're great, especially the yeah. first two. Sure. Um, and they get a lot right about the character. But one thing that this does that the, none of the others do is you're right. There's it's, Gotham is gothic here. And it is goth. It's it's, yeah. it's almost biblical in how gothic it is, and it has those operatic. I mean, you, you feel like you're watching like the Charles Lawton Hunchback of Notre Dame, or again the Phantom of the Opera. I mean, this is a city where a creature lurks. This yeah. is Chicago. Nolan's clean Chicago, which is a kind of an allegory for post nine eleven terrorism, where a freak dressed like the Joker, a terrorist, can attack. This is a this is where creatures and monsters live. This is the ghoulish. This is Tim Burton's mind. Yeah, it absolutely reflects his mind. It's, of course, his kind of you know, unique style, which this was such a one-two punch after Beetlejuice, which yes. is one of my favorite movies. And, mm-hmm. like, it's it's more of this, like, it's, Tim Burton is just this master of Halloween-ish stuff. And, like, this is a nightmare city. Like, it fits Batman, but, like, even in the daylight, it is creepy. And, like, I couldn't imagine a single person ever wanting to actually live there or well, set foot in it. Correct, where you you can kind of, you know, again, and I'm not, this is not, you know, Alex Sosen craps on Christopher Nolan. Although, and, and by the way, I'm going to give mad props to Oppenheimer. I know that's off subject, but this, mm-hmm. this movie is probably my favorite Nolan movie. So I don't, I don't hate his guts. I just, I've always found it funny that he tried to mimic the seriousness of the first Batman. But there's something off because in, in this, like you said, in broad daylight in Nolan's version, it's almost like, oh, okay, it's Chicago. It's nice. I get, maybe I'll stop at a Starbucks and get a drink. And this one, it's like, 
who, what like freak of nature is chasing me? He probably like lives by a dumpster and beats up kids or something. It's, it's almost like Stephen King's it. This, this movie in a way is terrifying. His, no, uh, Burton's vision of, of Gotham. It's just larger than life. And terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It owes a lot to, I think forties era, Yes. Batman, like the and original more. conceptions of that stuff. Correct. And my my favorite Batman, I think, of all time, as much as I love this, I love the animated series even mm. more. We did an episode on that. We actually did an episode on Superman as well. Yeah. Um, but Superman, or I mean, uh, Batman, the animated series wouldn't exist without this, and it owes an enormous debt to it. Um, yeah, they use the same music they, for the they opening use, theme. They, they also did a version of it, I think, for the opening. And Shirley Walker, who did all of the scoring for right. the the series, worked on under Elfman basically on this as well. So I she, didn't know that. yeah, she she oh, the, I didn't know that. she kind of migrated over to the animated series oh. so that so she cut her teeth on this. So uh, we've been going. I, I want to kind of get into the movie specifically. So just yeah. I, I thought we'd go beat by beat, which is kind of just to keep it organized. But the movie opens with you know one yeah that theme, which is like. I like some of the other music they've done for Batman movies and stuff, but like nothing beats this. This is one of the best pieces of just mu- movie music, period. Let alone any you know Batman or superhero. It, it, it's, so, it's so organic, and the way they film. You know what I later found out is a camera traveling through a model. I mean, it is a it is it. You know, you watch the credits even to this day, and you almost forget that we're traveling through the Bat logo. But yeah, we're you're, traveling through Gothic. We are tra- traveling through these you know tunnels where you expect a gargoyle to. to to loom, and then you hear the beginning of Elfin's score, and immediately it's uncomfortable. It's like it's properly, it's it's awesome, but immediately I'm like, okay, I'm getting the creeps. They, they, they no other, no other theme has done that. It is the perfect like minor key balance to something oh. like uh, John Williams' Superman score. Yeah. Like they, they're absolutely like you know two sides of the same coin, right? Um, and and which so is fitting. Grief. You feel, you know, you almost feel that's another thing that Batman doesn't have. Now we'll go through it beat by beat. It, this has angst. This has it's almost like you're you're traveling through the emotions of a troubled Bruce Wayne. Like in the, those opening theme notes, it's almost like you know, it's like why does this man lurk in the shadows and put on a costume? Let's find out. It's like, yeah, it's, it, it just it lures you in with this mesmerizing you know question and theme. Just those that first few notes that. Like once you had that, that that was the whole thing. You, that's, you, it. That, that's it. That's the You're whole piece. Yep. It's incredible. And so from that, we go to this scene in front of the Monarch Theater, mm-hmm. where a family, not unlike the Waynes, I kind of almost wish they didn't tell say Harold because the foreshadowing. In a way. Yeah. Well, the dad's name is Harold. Once they say that, oh, we know that I his parents are Thomas. Harold. Yeah, Thomas and Martha Wayne. I list like because at first you're like, oh shit, are we watching the Waynes about to die? No, it's his other family. They go, yeah. they're accosted, and then Batman from the shadows hunts down the perpetrators and gets them. Right. Um, but you're if they hadn't given it away so early, you're right. We could, they could have let that go a little bit. That's an interesting quip. Actually, they could have let it go a little bit longer before, you know, maybe Harold help, you know, watch out, you know, and then you're like, right. Oh shit, it's not Tom. But, Oh, I see this is this situation that, that Bruce went through is still going on. This is a, this is a repetition into the future that'll eventually be foreshadowed in memories, which I always love too, is that the, the, the memory is so much stronger than almost having it be um, a conception from from the birth of Batman. I, I love that he thinks back. It almost makes me want to cry. It's like, oh my god, this is what this guy went through. But, right, and he's watching it happen again. He's watching, and he does it. It's interesting because he doesn't intervene. He doesn't stop the mugging from happening. He does no. get them afterwards, which is uh, it's interesting. I think it's because he doesn't want to be seen yet. Because this is right. this is the movie lets us know this is Batman at the beginning of his career. So he hasn't been around. Like his legend is around, but. Yeah. 
Like they he's don't like year three or four. He's right. Like, he, I don't know. He's like a grow, you know, more grown up Robert Pattinson. If you want to kind of compare it or something like that. Yeah. We're not literally at the beginning. Say Nolan would have done in Batman begins, right. but we're close because yeah, right now, not a lot is known about Batman. He's not calling up commissioner Gordon whenever he feels like it. Yeah. Like this is, you know, he's a, he's a freak and that's what I love about it. And I'm, I'm just being honest. The, the, he, it's like dark man. He's a freak, ladies and gentlemen, but no, he, he is for all intents and purposes. And the way, uh, Tim Burton thinks that's what I love about this movie is this guy is like this guy is a creature of the night no movie has no Batman movie to this day has done it the way that Burton did it where it's like this thing is waiting for us. there's something out there waiting for us and notice you don't see him as Bruce Wayne first so you only know there's this thing out there that's attacking people in the night I mean it's so he could almost be the bad guy it's so and yet that music reminds you is the good guy and I love that conflict and this is probably like the dark literal like the darkest they've made him in terms of color because he really yeah. blends it like he is so black the suit is so black he blends it with the night he looks like a demon or a gargoyle he does in a way that like as, as even as like you know as much as like robert pattinson and christian bale mm-hmm. are wearing these very dark colors mm-hmm. um like that first shot of batman too when he's on the rooftop it's actually animated as, as a cartoon as he you know turns around original. yeah yeah, and walks away, which is like it makes him look even more like just a looming shadow. It's right cool. now, that was for some reason they do, they they did do that shot, but uh, they did have original footage, and it's in the original script, I think, by by Sam Ham. Is that um, uh, it, they describe it that um, you know I think even before the action starts, it's like you know the city looms at night, and above the gar you know the gargoyles look down as if they're watching the citizens. Oh wait, one of the gargoyles moves. We realize it's not a gargoyle. Uh, we or the viewer, and it's. They did shoot that with, I believe, the double for Michael Keaton. They had uh, he's on my Instagram actually, but they had this guy dressed in the bat suit, blending with the gargoyles, and for some reason they didn't use that footage. I'm almost grateful they didn't. I, I actually like that little animated Batman because it's like, what the hell is that? What what just moved? You know, I kind of like the way they did that. There's almost an uncanny valley thing about it where mm-hmm. your eyes are like, something's wrong with this. Something's wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, and I, we get these two dudes just you know telling the campfire story that is go hey the batman let's beat it man i don't like it up here what are you scared of heights i don't know after what happened to johnny gobbs hey look man johnny gobbs got ripped and took a walk off a roof all right no big loss no man that ain't what i heard at all i heard the bat got him the bat oh man give me a break will you Five stories straight down. There wasn't no blood in the body. No shit. It was all over the pavement. Get that here, man. Hey, shut up, man. Listen to me. There ain't no bat. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have turned the gun on that kid, man. You shouldn't have turned the hey, gun on that kid. Do you want your cut of this money or not? Now shut up. Shut up. And he just, like, floats down behind them yeah, uh, and then proceeds to kick the crap out of them. And the stories you hear, which again, as, as a kid, that's one of the things is like, Hey, let's talk about a guy who fell, you know, four stories. And there, you know, there was no blood on the body. No shit. It's all over the pavement. I'm like, Oh my God, somebody fell off a building and got splattered. Get me out of here. Like you're just, you, they kind of give you these nightmare scenarios that scare children. And I, I just don't think any other Batman's done it. And then all of a sudden down he comes and they're already talking about a guy who, you know, what if this guy drinks blood? I mean, they, they're giving you these these folklore legends, and then you see him come down. It's like, 
I don't know who the fuck this is. This is like, is this Dracula with wings? Like, what the hell's about to happen? And that's something, another uh, again, they have not been able to achieve. I think it's because the, the other Batman movies since this, not counting the other stuff from this particular four-movie yeah. series, Nolan's going, and Pattinson or his series, they're both going for things that are more realistic. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that, Chris, Christian Bale's Batman he he glides all over the place, mm-hmm. but the way Michael Keaton comes into frame here, it's not natural. Like it's against the laws of physics for him to just yeah. literally like come down like an elevator. It and him so. doing those things and makes you only you... realize maybe it's a wire later he comes down, but you're not thinking that the way he comes down is so is is almost supernatural. Yeah, and that yeah. makes you feel that like he's supernatural, right? Uh, and and unearthly. Right. It's great, yes. and and of course he gives us his signature. I'm Batman. Still, yeah. still the best. You know, some people debate who has that best voice and you know it was nice to see him do it again in the flash i think he was wasting the flash that's another discussion yeah i haven't that seen it so i can't comment it on should it, have but... been his, should have been his movie doug it should have been his movie of course you yeah you you really find out you're just seeing it for him and i won't get but yes the iconic on batman where his voice where he's changed his voice it's almost a whisper um funny enough george clooney tried the same thing but he just sounded more like george clooney it's like hi freeze i'm batman but and that was a little bad but keaton got it just right got a little gravelly but we still know he's a human being we just think this guy must be insane and i like that he might be insane which is another thing they haven't done with bruce yeah i i the i still think the best batman voice goes to kevin conroy but i i totally feel you like the r.i.p yeah yeah, but this is like he does a good job of differentiating batman's voice although batman talks very little as batman which Most, i loved as well and I, but i like that bruce wayne is kind of a chatterbox which is great it yeah, gives, it gives michael keaton a chance to be michael keaton to be michael keaton but i and we are going in order but again mm-hmm. you know i do love that you see batman first and then if you're you know you could almost think they're two different people even though we all know in our hearts bruce wayne is batman but then you see this awkward quirky guy who is also off and you know because i think kevin smith had said uh Bruce Wayne is like he could barely be Bruce Wayne. He's Batman all the way. That's why he's so awkward because he doesn't know what to do with his, you know, his normal body or the way he acts in front of people. Yeah, I do think the Nolan line about, you know, this is your mask is uh, that's as that's as pointed as it's ever been to describe that. Um, And we get so we get to this banquet where kind of celebrating Harvey Dent. And um, played by Billy D. Williams here, unfortunately, to be replaced by Tommy Lee Jones later. Yeah. Um, at, at this rally, they're talking about they're going to root out mob boss Carl Grissom. It's mm-hmm. inter- I found out inter- uh, that uh, Gr- the Grissom character mm-hmm. was sort of original. I think in early versions of the script, it was Rupert Thorne, mm-hmm. who was like a, a Batman crime boss. He shows up in the animated series. So like he oh. was a known character, but... For whatever yeah. reason, they decided to make a, a different character for the crime boss. Yeah, and that's taking originality. Um, but you know, I guess for you know, he could he's either Car- Carmine Falcone or Carmine Falcone. So you take your take your pick as to who he is. But I, that's the, the vibe that I got when I saw other remakes before. But yeah, he's he's that kind of mob boss. Yeah, and I like that Batman's world is populated by this stuff because it's like not everybody is a you know a, a supernatural freak. Like no. there there's also very real forms of criminals that populate Gotham that are yeah. in danger. Yeah. Um, and we are about to be introduced to one of them, which is uh, we meet Jack Napier. Together, we can make this city safe. Decent people. Decent people shouldn't live here. They'd be happier someplace else. Pretty tough talk about Carl. Don't worry about it. 
this clown could touch Grissom, I'd have handed him his lungs by now. You have been listening to a press conference. If Grissom knew about us, he might hand you something. Attorney Dent has promised to Don't flatter yourself, Angel. He's a tired old man. He can't run this city without me. And besides, he doesn't know. You don't worry about anything, do you, Jack? You look fine. I didn't ask. <laughs> I like what's the line about decent people shouldn't live here. He decent says people shouldn't live here. They'd be happier someplace else, which is right. <laughs> yeah, but he's but he he's of the city. He's he's your perfect uh, uh, psychotic, and he's a great match for um, Batman. Both both actors chose, and he's a he's a great match because in Burton's version, they are both crazy, and I I love that they they're both pretty much crazy. And they talk about that a lot, where like other yes. characters will talk about how crazy Jack is before, even before, yeah, the, the transformation. He's crazy now. Yeah, he, <laughs> he falls in the acid. But we'll, we'll. I digress. Yeah, and we don't see him get. What's interesting is they talk about him that way. You don't see him lose his composure. That he differentiates mm-hmm. it pretty well. That right. you know, like we don't see him cackling and doing psychotic stuff. But we get that he is aggressive, perhaps. He's aggressive, but but it is. I would say the experience that Access Chemicals kind of unleashes what might have been with him in. All along, you know, of course, you know, spoiler, but mm-hmm. what what he did when he was much younger, I think there was always that. And then the chemicals brought it out about 500 times stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And we find out he has been uh, stooping Alicia, who is Carl yes. Grissom's lady, wife, girlfriend, whatever he is. But Super they're having a fling. Jagger. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, then we meet Lieutenant Eckhart. Oh, who is William Hookins? Well, here's the interesting connection I found out. For so William Hookins, who plays Eckhart, uh, we just name dropped Tommy Lee Jones. They were went to school together. They were oh, like high, they acted together in oh, high school. So you got several on me here. Yeah, it's a cool little connection to Batman stuff. But anyway, free Robin Williams situation. Exactly. Cool. Um, <laughs> I like that he's he's, and we also meet Knox, played by Robert Wool, who's a the journalist. So good in the film. He's great After doing you know his chops in uh, Good Morning Vietnam. He was clearly he is the was the best choice. Yeah, I mean he is. I mean he's a great comedic character, and mm-hmm. you watch Eckhart just, just he does not give two f's. Like he's just no. like, you know, yeah. He the just, guy slipped on a banana peel. GTFO. Yeah, he slipped on a banana peel. He's corrupted. He's probably the kind of guy that Denzel would shake down one of the Equalizer movies. You know, cop who lost his way doesn't give a shit anymore, and yeah, he slipped on a banana. It's not my problem. I don't want to look. Christ, Knox. Hello, Lieutenant Eckhart. I hear we just had us another bat attack. That's what, eight sightings now in just under a month? I hear the commissioner's even open to file. True? Sorry, Knox. These two slipped on a banana peel. Bat. I'm telling you, man. A giant bat. Keep moving. Don't be writing this stuff in your newspaper, Knox. It'll ruin your already useless reputation. Lieutenant, every punk in this town is scared stiff. You know what they say? They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. They say... I say you're full of shit, Knox. Oh, uh, you can quote me on that. Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? 
And if so, is he on the police payroll? And if so, what's he pulling down? After taxes. Yeah, there's a guy. It's interesting. There's a guy who looks just like this in Batman Begins, a character named Flass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like again, like corrupt police lieutenant, kind of mm-hmm. playing both sides. Mm-hmm. Like, but even like physically, they look the same, and they both kind of look like Harvey Bullock from the animated series. Although oh, yeah. Bullock is not corrupt, he's no. a lot of things, but he's not corrupt. No. And so, okay, so we go to City Hall. We find out it's the 200th anniversary of Gotham coming up, which I love. It's so ancient. Yeah, it's, it's just such an old city. See, that's another thing that I was going is the. The fact that this is not, you know, like even in Nolan's version, you know, Gotham is being rebuilt and it's like this industrial kind of like, I don't know, it's, it looks like Tomorrowland or something. And this one's like, we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of a place that, you know, you lay eyes on it, you'll probably want to jump into the river because this this place is not for anybody to live. And by the way, it's 200 now. So that just shows how long it's been a ghoulish place. Right, right. It makes it feel more like, you know, haunted or something. Yes, yes. Uh, and we go to see Knox at work and uh, Vicki Vale walks in and we find out she is a photojournalist. Hello, Lance. I'm reading your stuff. Well, I'm reading yours. Hi, I'm Vicki Vale. Vicki Vale, yeah, yeah, photographer, Vogue, Cosmo, yeah, yeah, listen, listen, if you want me to pose nude, you're going to need a long lens. Actually, I was in the Corte Maltese. Girl could get hurt doing this stuff. So, uh, what brings you here? I'm here to see some of the wildlife in Gotham City. Wow. Like what? Like bats. Who sent you? No, nobody. Really, I I just loved your story, and I, I... I like bats. Yeah? My pictures, your words, Pulitzer Prize material, just think. Okay, you're a visionary. You're also the only one who believes me. I need something tangible. Gordon's got a file on this. I can't even get him on the phone. Bruce Wayne's benefit. He'll be there, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't seem to be on the guest list. No, no. Yes, yes. Uh, Vale, will you marry me? Nope. Will you buy me lunch? Maybe. I eat light. And she's actually the one person on Earth who is interested in Knox's Batman stories. That's right. And even, you know, clearly Bob Kane didn't give a shit, even though he drew that picture. But, um, you know, the one that, Knox, I got something for you. And there's a there's a picture. Oh, that's, that's seen, drawn by Bob Kane? That, was, that is 100% Bob Kane. Who is one of the creators of Batman, along with Bill Finger. Along with Bill Finger, who got, I guess, what, second, he got a kind of second seating to the two to what Bob Kane accomplished. I know later they were said adapted by Bill Finger. I think in this movie it says Bob Kane. Back then I thought it was only Bob Kane mm-hmm. back in the day. But yes, they, the, have you seen this man? You know, Knox, I got something for you. Everybody's laughing in the, in, uh, yeah, it looks like a cocktail room. napkin doodle. Yeah. And it looks, and it, you know, it looks funny and it looks scary. It looks like the exact Burton thing. Once again, just displaying kind of like his ghoulish Beetlejuice chops from the year earlier. It's like, here's a fucking, you know, just like a, a flying bat rat in a suit. It's like you don't know what to make of it as a kid. You just know it's kind of scary, but it's funny too. Yeah, but we both know, of course, Knox is right, and yes. and Vicky Vale is the right person for the job. Yeah. Um, and she says, I like bats, which is interesting. She's obviously no stranger to, like, horror, because the one thing they show about her is that she was in some, like, war-torn Cordo Maltese yeah, Cordo Maltese, which, the, yeah, the Joker loves. But, yes, uh, it, you know, actually, actually I was more interested in Cordo Maltese and 
the bodies and Knox says as much that she was in a dangerous area. A, g- a girl can get hurt doing this stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's tough. And I, I like that they have yes. her as, you know, she's not the girl on the, on the railroad tracks. Mm. She's, she's very much a, a tough kind of like a Marion Ravenwood with, I want to say, you know, blonde hair, kind of a forties throwback in a way. Yeah. And so now we cut back to Grissom and he's having this meeting about what to do about Axis chemicals, yes. because this is their, their money laundering front that the authorities are now getting wise to and they have to do something about it. So mm-hmm. he says, tells Jack, he wants him to go in and personally handle cleaning the place out, mm-hmm. which of course we will find out. And it's pretty obvious already. This is just a trap to get him killed yeah. because he's been sleeping with his, you know, his girlfriend. Yeah. That's a line I, I actually didn't. Li- I mean, it's not, I, there's nothing I dislike about uh, Batman. Uh, the, the, but the thing that now that you're mentioning it, he says out loud, just from a writer's standpoint, I've been doing so much writing that, that the fact that he says, you know, all he had to do was look and see Jack exchange eyes with Alicia. And, but out loud, he says for the audience's sake, you know, my friend, your luck is about to change. He, he didn't have, to, I don't think he had to say anything. I think he could have exchanged a glance. I know if Nolan directed that scene, he would not have said that. It's a little bit of a hat on a hat. It's a, yeah. it is, and you but, know, but it's yeah. fantasy for kids, so we got to explain a little bit. Yeah, just make it a little more overt what's happening. Yeah. And this is yeah. where I believe he gives the line about "You are my number one guy," as only Jack Palance can. That's all, gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. That's all. Carl, uh, can we get somebody else to do this? And the fumes in that place. Jack. It's an important job. I need someone I can trust. You are my number one guy. Now, don't forget... Yes, the the immortal Jack Palance, who had such a such an amazing film career, and you know, just just hiring the you know Burton, just hiring all the right guys to play these characters, these almost like these archetypes. Yes, and I love that Napier's wearing this like purple suit because it's like mm-hmm. it's purple, it's purple, but it's not like the bright purples that he'll be no, wearing later. It's, it's not ju- flamboyant. Yeah, it's just enough to kind of hint at it without being like. Oh. Who the fuck wears a purple suit? Well, not just that, but it's like it. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is going to be the suit. That might be the one that he fell into the chemicals with. I could be wrong. Yeah. yeah, So it just so the chemicals were like, hey, let's turn it bright purple. Let's go. Let's go full uh, Willy Willy Wonka maniac on this guy. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's just such a foreshadowing. And the costume designer, you know, you have to give them props for the uh, that that whole um, you know 30s 40s uh, kind of unplaceable time is another thing about Gotham in, in this movie. And and the costume design is just so noir. Yeah, it is very – this is absolutely a noir yes. movie. I mean, in not just in its 40s kind of aesthetic or like – I love – this is the same thing that the animated series does that mm-hmm. I love, which is that it's like the aesthetic is the 40s, but the computers and things are modern. Like right. it, it is out of time. Yes. And that's another thing that makes it feel timeless. That and that's the same way I've you know and that's why movies like this are so iconic and it would go to my favorite movie Jaws and this is not going to be about Jaws I'm just saying that because you're on an island you're dealing with kind of this old fashioned pirate who wants to hunt and kill the shark but and it's so old fashioned it's like Moby Dick and yet you know we're walking around a rather modern society but we're in an island we're isolated 
and it's Gotham too. We're isolated. It's very 1940s, but all of a sudden you'll see, you know, the, the hottest black Batmobile, you know, Corvette drive drive by, and then it's like, wow, this thing—it's almost futuristic. Then it's ancient. It's just an amazing mix. Yeah, it, it makes again, it makes this movie. If you release it today, this aesthetic would not feel dated. It would just feel no. unique and interesting. It would. So, yeah. Um, so we get to this fundraiser at Wayne Manor, where uh, a bunch of things happen. Here we get. Um, the uh, Car- uh, sorry, um, Harvey Dent and uh, Commissioner Gordon are kind of Mayor Borg and Mayor Borg are Borg. playing. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're playing you know casino games and stuff. But eventually, yeah. they get tipped off about um, Axis Chemicals. Yes. Meanwhile, uh, we get we kind of get a real introduction to Bruce Wayne as he kind of dips into this conversation between Knox and Vicky Vale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, where'd this come from? I have no idea. <laughs> it's Japanese. How do you know? Because I bought it in Japan. Who are you? Oh, sorry, Bruce Wayne. Alexander Knox. Hi. Oh, I read your work. I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, thanks. Can I have a grant? <laughs> <laughs> Vicky Vale. Hi. Bruce Wayne. Are you sure? Yeah, this time. I've seen your photographs from Corto Maltese, haven't I? Right. Yeah, you've got a wonderful eye. Yeah, some people think she has two. <laughs> this is an amazing house. I'd like to shoot it sometime if you... Mr. Wayne, uh, we need to open a few more cases of the champagne. Will that be all right? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Oh, uh, open, what, six? Six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, six is good. Okay, yeah. It's great. Six. Thanks. Anyway, are you going to be staying in Gotham for a while? I, I'd love to. I'm intrigued by Alex's giant bat story, so I've done some... Oh, the, the, right. Bat, the Batman. Yeah. Hmm. Thing. Yeah. That's a little bit light after the Warren Cordo Maltese, isn't it? And what do you do for a living? Well, I'm involved. Sir, uh, Commissioner Gordon was compelled to leave. Ah, okay. Thank you. <coughs> Very I'm... unexpectedly, sir. Will you too excuse me? Uh, I, I think perhaps this way, sir. Oh. Um, Alfred, they need some more wine in the front room, and someone named Mrs. Daly needs a copy of the menu. Oh, and uh, give Knox a grant. That's such a great. That's such a great entry. They don't know who the hell he is, and of course, you know this would be evident. It's like, oh, some quirky guy acting like Michael Keaton. We, we don't know. I guess he's just some guy at the party. And then later, we find out he's running the whole thing in, in just the, the funniest way, and just the most uh, almost genuine the way he. It's Japanese. How do you know? Because I bought it in Japan. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, your this Bruce motherfucker Wayne. owns everything. Pardon my friend. You know, this, yeah. this guy owns everything. Okay, this quirky guy is, uh, this is Bruce Wayne. And the way he flaunts his wealth is very funny. Like he's, oh, we need six cases of champagne. Six, right. But six, he's not seven? comfortable with it. He, he, yeah. He's not, you know, open what? Uh, six? Oh, uh, yeah, six is good. You know, Knox is like, yeah, let's get drunk. But yeah, just the way he does it. It's I have never seen an interpretation like that as far as Bruce Wayne goes. I've seen a lot of good ones. The weirdest I think it got again was with Pattinson, in my humble opinion. Pattinson's on script where he it seemed like a very strange guy, but Keaton was was especially strange. His his casting was brilliant. Nobody knew at the time. It was the same thing with Heath Ledger. Nobody knew how far ahead, you know, just how iconic this would be. But this quirky guy puts on a puts on a rubber suit at night and beats the crap out of criminals. It's fantastic. Well, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's again that thing of like he's the quote-unquote billionaire playboy. That's what he's supposed to be. Right. Um, but he's he's sociable. He's more sociable, I think, like 
um, than say Christian Bale is when he's playing Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He, he's Bruce, Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne is a little more of an asshole, and he this is. and this Bruce Wayne is. You know, unassuming. Well, he's yeah, he is more unassuming. He feels like the, like you said a quirky character. You could picture like Dustin Hoffman doing something like this yeah. too. Like yeah, this very like weird. Yeah. Um. He's he's off in a way. Like Chris, yeah, Christian Bale's more of an alpha male as Bruce Wayne, which yeah, is he's more, performative he's, alpha male. But yeah, he for all intents and purposes, and this is clear with Nolan. He he is the James Bond version of the uh, of Bruce Wayne. I mean, aside from and yes, he is an asshole. He purposely fakes being. You know, get out of my sight. You know, he gets everybody out of the house, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a cover. But um, he is more of the handsome James Bond, where Keaton is now like, wow, Michael Keaton is so sexy. It's like, oh, Michael Keaton is uh, rather awkward in this scene. I guess that goes with Michael Keaton being Michael Keaton. You just never really assume that this is the same guy who can actually put on that suit, and that's what I love so much about it. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's a cool scene, and we get that like transition where we see he's got like the camera behind yes. the mirror they're Definitely staring into. He's yeah, a little bit of the Batcave, but not yet. Right. Um, and so now we're at the the showdown at Axis, where I love that the you know so they're cleaning out the safe and there's nothing in it, and mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson immediately susses out, okay, yeah. this was a trap. He knows what's up. And before he can do anything about it, the cops descend on him, including Eckhart, who I love that Jack Nicholson just shoots him, you know, yeah. for being disloyal. It, well, it was coming. You you know, you always have and it, it, it. It happens about two or three more times in the movie where he'll just shoot a guy that was kind of like a, a lot, you know, siding with him. But that just goes to show the, his, you know, what a psychopath he is. And it, it's it's just so perfect. I mean, the way that they have you think like eventually he's going to kill this guy. But the way he does it, he does it like with a shrug. And that's and, and he enjoys and performance like he's yeah. like all of the cops are there. Gordon's there. And he yeah. just said, just calls out. Hey, Eckhart. think Boom. about the future. Bang. And yeah. yeah, the way he died. And then he starts grinning like the Joker for the first time, by the way. Yeah. He gives that grin. The minute he shoots him, he, he starts smiling. And I'm like, that's he kind of already has that face. Yeah, he does. But he's already because I know when Nick, Nick Dudman, the famous Nick Dudman did the makeup on Jack, they wanted him to give the biggest smile he possibly could in order to get that perfect mold and then, you know, extend it and give him a bit of a false nose, elongated chin, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's Jack's smile. But that, uh, I, as I'm thinking about it, that it really is the first time that you see him give that malevolent, uh, you know, kind of mischievous grin. It's like, okay, this guy, he's, he's, he's turning, he's turning. Yeah. And I love when, when Batman shows up in the middle of this Oh, and the music, the music, right comes, away. the music kicks in. And yeah, we get this confrontation between the two of them and he just, Batman just picks him up pretty easily. Yes. And, you know, just. Jesus. I, yeah. I love his reaction. That, Cause like we haven't heard Nicholson talk about the Batman the way the other guys did campfire yeah. stories about it, but he must be aware of it. And his just like shock of like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. This is clearly his first up close and personal encounter with him. And then of course he tries to brush it, <laughs> brush it off with another iconic line. Nice outfit which I remember from the trailer as a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't make the connection when I saw the movie as a kid. Maybe I'm a little slow, but I didn't. I actually, you know, as a nine-year-old, hadn't exactly seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I hadn't seen The Shining. I hadn't been introduced to the two iconic Jack Nicholson's. So yeah, this was my first was. Nicholson as well. This yeah. was my first experience with Nicholson also. I remember my parents and I remember hearing other people around me saying, oh, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. And I didn't get it. I'm like, who's he and who, you know, I didn't. But I, then, yeah. yeah. I knew he was someone people did impressions of. That's all I knew. Right. Yeah. As, you know, as much as they do the Christopher Walk and you get the, you know, basically everything Kevin Pollock does is uh, <laughs> yeah. what, uh, yeah, is Jack. But yes, he he has not had that encounter 
with Batman. So he's the kind of guy who would, you know, sweep it under the rug and then he gets it up close and personal. It's like, oh shit, Batman, you scared me. Like, cause he would scare anybody. And so you see, you see him as a human being for a second. Yeah. And he, for a second. and he fires that gun at him, which of course ricochets back and hits him in the face. It does. Uh, and a very kind of weird edit that I've never, I, I suppose it um, ricochets off Batman's hand and then hits like a, hits like a metallic thing and then hits him. I, I right. always got confused about that shot. Yeah, but I guess that's to later explain why he's got this rictus grin, is the, the surgery to repair this bullet wound through his Using cheeks. Using the same tools from um, Little Shop of Horrors. They were the same ones loaned on the Warner Brothers lot. The you mean the for, props, uh, the surgical the, tools? The surgical tools for uh, the Bill Murray scene in uh, Little Shop of Interesting. Horrors were I the same surgical tools. Yeah, huh. and so you'll see what I had to work with here. And he starts <laughs> laughing like a maniac. Not yeah. in makeup. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he goes into the chemicals. I like that Batman is holding him. Like, he's not... Yeah. We don't quite get... This is not, like, one rule Batman that, like, never lets anyone die. He's not... He's not that, but he doesn't like purposefully like toss Joker into the no, chemicals. No, the worst he gets with Keaton is putting a bomb on a guy and Batman returns and smiling about it. But even then, you're kind of like, all right, he's dead, so what? Whatever. Yeah, we got him. It's just not that kind of a Batman. No, it's not. Um, so yeah, so he goes in, and then we get yeah this. Um, after he falls in, we do get the bit of the uh, the hand coming out of the the murky water. Yes, knocks. You know, back at the yeah, back what's in, his story on the Batman? Right. Oh, suicide? He thinks suicide. Yeah, yeah Nick Napier committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. As a kid, you just hear suicide. It's like, it's like I don't know. Wait, who? But uh, yes, uh, supposedly Napier, you know, committed suicide, and you know, we know that's bullshit. Yeah, it's it, like they're constantly trying to feed this bullshit to Knox, and he just never. He's like, no, no I, I clearly you're lying to me. Yeah, yeah, they both they both are kind of bullshit free. They're. You know they're pursuers of the truth, and they they play their characters well, and we definitely we definitely get that sense. Uh, and we're about to get a lot more of Vicky Vale because now we have her date with Bruce Wayne yes. at Wayne Manor, which goes very very well. The most awkward date in the world until it does go well. But yes, it is the mo- the the most awkward date in a, a room he's uh, probably never been in before. Yeah, I, to his joke, we, maybe he's joking, maybe he's not, but. It's a good line. While they're sitting yeah, at this world's longest table and they're super far away from each other. And yeah. I love that. Like thematically, he's just like, no, we're going to get close. I'm going to, you know, make a joke. Okay. We're not going to eat like this. We're regular people. Let's go have fun. Could you pass the salt? Sure. Did you have a hard time finding the house? Um, no. No, it's no problem. Mm. Do you like eating in here? Oh, yeah. You don't know the truth? I don't think I've ever been in this room before. <laughs> Do you want to get out of here? Yes. Yeah, and nobody, no other interpretation as well has done this. Where not only is he sitting far far away because obviously you know we don't want to get a close up of his face. I don't look too close at me because I'm Batman. That's what I always got from it. And he does it later. She tries to look at him. And he blinds her with a light in the Batmobile. So this he is protecting his identity for sure. Mm-hmm. But yes, he's very he he is he's a very awkward and troubled human being. And it 
absolutely shows in the scene, but he he plays it perfectly. Yeah, and we get uh, a lot of a very warm Alfred, but played by Michael Goff. Yes, who is telling stories about Bruce when he was a little kid. Yep, and entertaining everybody, and like it feels like these these three are like almost instantly kind of bonded together. Yeah. very well. You get a, a a bit of a you get kind of like a little bat family, a little family thing going. Now, of course. That horse riding scene, they, there were scenes shot with uh, Sean Young, who was Vicky Vale, until um, there was some. I don't know if she it was, was, she was in a horse accident or something, right? She was. In fact, I think it was um, horseback riding training, and she fell off the horse, and then out, out goes Sean Young, who had already made her mark in Blade Runner, but yeah, out goes Sean Young, and comes. Um, Kim Basinger. So that's that's always what I'm reminded of when I hear about the the horseback riding childhood thing. I think they probably might have shot something, or I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. You know. Okay. Uh, and then we get the scene you had alluded to earlier, which is this uh, scene of, of Nicholson pulling off the bandages uh, and cackling. And like this is one of the best like villain um, reveal things in yeah. all of like superhero comics. The Joker is the, the Joker. Yeah, like it's a it's great a moment. Let's see how we did. Understand that the nerves were completely severed, Mr. Napier. <laughs> you see what I have to work with here. <laughs> And it's scary for kids. You know, Burton doesn't shy. This was back when movies made for kids were PG or R. I mean, this was PG-13, but let's just say for the sake of argument, this is the same kind of thing where, you know, when you're a kid, you watch The NeverEnding Story, you're scarred for life. You watch Return to Oz, which I believe I saw on VHS in your house. I don't know Probably. This. You were scarred for I was scarred for life. We all the Princess Mombi shit. Yeah. The Princess Mombi thing to the this wheelers? day. Fuck that. Scares the hell out of me, but you know what? I'm glad it, it happened because as a kid, it teaches you. It's good. It teaches you it's good, good filmmaking. It's a it good kind of scary. Yeah, and it tells you the world is a scary place. And this this scene was no uh, was no exception. No, it still is one of the creepiest scenes in the movie. Like yeah. it's very effective. His performance, you can't even see him really, but no. just the way he reacts. Yeah, like it's it's an awesome birth of a monster scene. The only one that comes close in my mind, like superhero stuff, is that scene with uh, Alfred Molina on the surgery table in Spider Man yeah. Two, which it's is close. It's more Gonzo though, because it's Sam Raimi. Because it's Sam Raimi, and his that scene alone was very much, you know, like an Evil Dead two, with everybody screaming and the way they cross cut and all and the, the camera. Trip. But, the, so but this this straight up was like, okay, you got a two hundred year old city, you got maniacs running around, and now you have this guy in the dark who fell in acid and got shot in the face, unbandaging himself in the dark. And when you're a kid, it's like, please don't show his face. Please don't show. Mm-hmm. You don't know he's going to wind up looking like a like you know Caesar Romero part two, but. It's it's scary. That's yeah. what I love about it is that it's still scary. Yeah, yeah. It, and this has been like parodied and yeah. stuff like that. Like it, it's one of the most iconic. We did like a me. Well, that's coming, but yes. Yeah, that's uh, we're about to get there. So we're we just it. we get Wayne and Vicky Vale. They go off to bed, 
and then we, you know, just with that brief interlude, we come back to Carl Grissom being confronted. You know, hello, sugar bumps. That you, sugar bumps? Who the hell are you? It's me, sugar bumps. Oh, oh, thank God you're alive. I heard you. Fried. Is that what you heard? You set me up over a woman. A woman! You must be insane. Don't bother. Your life won't be worth spit! I've been dead once already. It's very liberating. You should think of it as, uh, therapy. <laughs> listen. Maybe we can cut a deal. Jack? Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. <laughs> um, is that you, Sugar Bumps? Who the hell are you? Yeah, and I love the way that he is shot in the dark there, that again, you can't, you can kind of make up the contours and go like, okay, that's clearly Jack Nicholson. I recognize sort of Jack Nicholson's face. But it takes until he steps into the light that right. you get the full look at him. But man in the dark, you you see enough as you know you you see his face in the dark. You see it, and you're like, there is something wrong with Jack Napier. What the hell? Just what in the fuck is wrong with his face? Is he smiling? What's going on? Brilliant Tim Burton. You know, you have moments like that even in later Burton with Sleepy Hollow. You know, the witch. What does she look like? And then she just pops out. You know, he he's so good at macabre. So good at it. It's it. He's really is a Hammer film director. Of course, using Michael Goff and mm. using these guys from those Hammer movies. He he just understands how to scare kids and yet also appeal to them at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, that what he says, Jack. I've been dead once already, oh. uh, and he says I'm a lot happier now. Yeah, it's very uh, liberating. You should think of it as uh, therapy. He <laughs> talks about that a lot like, throughout the movie. That he this motif of like I've already been dead once. I've right. been killed multiple times. Right. Right. Um, you uh, made me. You dropped me in the. Yeah. He's got a lot of I've been dead because it really is a rebirth. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like Napier is not really there anymore, but he remembers he is. I suppose it's like uh, becoming Peter Weller becoming RoboCop. Alex Murphy's there somewhere, but deep down, and that's not a good comparison because Robocop's good. Yeah, he's the hero. Fine. But yeah, like, not yeah, th- <laughs> uh, we get this quick shot of uh, Bruce Wayne sleeping upside down like a bat. Fantastic. It's I don't know what to make of it. It's so outlandish, you but know. it's like okay. it's uh, it. I mean, it fits because it's Burton's Batman. It is. You know I mean, it, it would well, be very weird in any of the other Batman stuff. You know? He takes it. Well, he. I think he thinks he's a bat, or he's adapted. I don't know if it's like Tarzan getting adopted by the apes or something. But he's he he is like an animal, and that's again that's Burton taking things literally, which I appreciate. Of course, it went on to the Batman Returns, where I remember he said in behind the scenes, "We're going to make the penguin the penguin." No right. shit, you're making this guy part penguin. He's right. taking it literally, and. I think that's good for the motif that this guy is almost like part creature. This really is 
an on again, off again, you know, creature transformation movie in a way, which, which again, they, I don't think they've been able to do. Yeah, he's not quite right in the head. He's not right in the head. And that's great because you've got the greatest theme by Danny Elfman and they're cheering for a guy who's not right in the head. And I, I think we need more heroes like that. I don't know what to say. Just like a really, it, it just makes you feel good in some weird way. Yeah. Uh, and then we get back to Nicholson again, and this is the wait till they get a load of me thing. And yes. I love that they just let the shot go on long enough that they let him kind of improvise because he just is like staring at the paper and he's yeah. like, oop, oop. Like, oh, yeah. It's just weird and like uh, yeah. off-putting. Gotham City always brings a smile to my face. Where do they get a load of me? It's off-putting, and now apparently Nicholson was very weird during the making of the film. He, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of the behind-the-scenes interviews where Burton... I mean, Nicholson gave Burton a break. I mean, Nicholson was there for Burton and supported Burton, but apparently he was hard to communicate with sometimes, and I don't know if he was in character, but it sounds like Jack was being very Jack, and it might have been to get all riled up as the Joker, but I I heard... It, it sounds like he was improving that, and... Um, Good for him. It's a great, you know, because this guy sounds like a maniac. This guy, even Heath Ledger doesn't, Heath Ledger seems to more men, more mentally in charge. You want to watch his, watch the world burn, but this guy, this guy's just an utter psycho. Yeah, Heath Ledger's Joker is one of those things where he talks about, you know, like, oh, I'm just an agent of chaos. And it's like, no, you're not. You're very in control. You are. You, you are projecting your chaotic while actually plans. He's going to blow up both fairies. Yeah. He's going to do that, you know, and, but this Jack Nicholson is like, uh, maybe I'll uh, spray somebody with acid in the face tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe I will. You don't know what he's going to do. I, yeah. what I love, but, and yet he's so clownish, but you don't know what he's going to do. It's a, it's perfect maniac. Yeah. And I love that. I read reading about Jack Nicholson cause he's a, he's an odd guy and, right. but he very, he was very apparently, proud of this performance he really liked the yeah. movie he was very happy that it was successful and he loved that like kids loved it yes so like he was like re- he'd be thrilled to like sign autographs for kids which is not a very jack nicholson thing but because of this he, he knew this was special no and, and he, yeah. he was a fan of the joker this is something that he really did follow and i've seen that i've seen those behind the scenes interviews he he really did like the joker and this sounds like i mean and clearly he was made for it who better you know, there, there was, you know, there were rumors back in the day, oh, it's going to be Robin Williams, it's going to be Willem Dafoe. John Lithgow, of course, was one of the people that they looked at. But, yeah, they chose Jack. They chose the, the, the very strange guy with that, you know, impenetrable smile on his face. And they just they just picked perfectly. Yeah. Um, so we get to this. There's, again, another quick shot of uh, Vicky Vale leaving Wayne Manor and, you know, they're planning future dates and stuff. Uh, and then we get back to the Joker having this meeting with, the heads of the five families or whoever these oh. guys are. Uh, it's hilarious with, and dark at the same it's, time. It's yeah. It's super grim. Cause like he's, yes. he's put flesh colored makeup on to not look quite as weird. It's although he still has the face yes. and uh, he kills this guy with a joy buzzer. It's so fantastic. He has wasted no time in developing themed gadgets. No, he is, you know, he's, he's, he's on got, the way. Thanks to the power of cinema. He took a couple of hours and has a whole, uh, 
arsenal repertoire, of, yeah. a whole arsenal of, of gadgets, the way these things work in movies, you uh, take over the world in a couple of hours. But this is like, this is such a dark thing. It's a movie's already dark, but for him to like fry this guy and then you see his oh, like, yeah. like sits, in broad daylight. and like hangs around with the charred corpse and stuff like Cesar oh, Romero did not do this shit. No, Cesar Romero, but, but that's, but what I love about it is that this is the, this aside from, you know, Mark Hamill and there have been some others who've come close and of course, you know, not taking anything away from Hamill, but this guy is a is a maniac clown who, you know, it is a little bit like the Walking Phoenix. Uh, I just want to make people laugh. It's like this guy, like, loves a good joke and he doesn't care if the joke kills and it's everything's a punchline to him, and he's so psychotic and the way he has that buzzard, it's like something out of a James Bond movie, and he fries this guy and it's and of course as a kid, you know, I remember watching it. And I'm just on the edge of my seat, stunned. I wasn't, I didn't want to like leave the theater, but I was like. Oh my God! He's he just fried a man, and now he's talking to the dead body. <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you're just, you know, this this is part of the reason I love movies. It's like, it yeah. seems like this. It's so dark, but it is yeah. so funny. Like because Jack is. Nicholson gets all of these amazing lines where he says, like, "Oh, what does he say?" Is like, well, about the healing power of laughter. Have you ever heard of the healing power of laughter? And then, of course, you know, the, my favorite is uh, he has the long conversation with the corpse and. Uh, you are a vicious bastard, Vitaly, and uh, I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> you know, and then he repeats, I'm glad you're dead and can't stop laughing. And... <laughs> Antoine got a little hot under the collar. <laughs> you're crazy. Have <laughs> you ever heard of the healing power of laughter? <laughs> Now get out of here! You heard him, let's go! Stupid move! Move it! And think it over. It's funny. It's funny, but it's dark. Yeah. It's again, like writing this line in almost a miraculous way that he, he captures all this stuff. Yes. And so, yeah, so we get to Vicki Vale. She's looking for a file on Wayne. She's curious about him. Right. And she follows him to Crime Alley mm-hmm. to watch him place these roses. 
mm-hmm. um, which in theory, it, it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's a mystery to her. Although in, in every other Batman version, it's like, well, everybody knows who he is. He's like the richest kid on earth and his parents died and it was a big news right, story. And there were so. pearls and there were roses. Or there, there were, you know, we, we know we've seen the scene a thousand times, but the way they played in this one is just from a, from, if you just take the movie at face value, it's like, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he in the alley? I mean, we know mm-hmm. the story, but Again, if you were one of the reasons I love the movie is I saw it before I really knew too much about Batman. Remember, I remembered the Adam West and I remember the happy go lucky Batman. But then all of a sudden you see an alley. I mean, I feel like an idiot saying this, but it's like I just didn't know much about his background. I just knew there was there was a comic book character called Batman who dressed like a bat, who dressed like a bat. And, you know, and it was kind of humorous. And here we are in an alleyway. And then you, you just don't really as a kid sense the um, the dread and the angst that's coming. Um you know, so that that was a really well done scene. Yeah, and so we get to the scene now where there's this. Uh, they're on the steps of City Hall, and they're you know they're speechifying about the you know this upcoming anniversary. Yes. And uh, the the Joker uh, dressed kind of more mime like, and a bunch of other actual yeah, guys dressed first as mimes. You see the mime, well, first you see the mimes, and you already know. Okay, this is like the shark and Jaws. The Joker's coming. Right. Here comes the Joker. Somewhere, somehow, the Joker's coming because we've got these mimes. They look kind of like the Joker, and Bruce is not not very pleased with it. He doesn't look too, he looks, looks a little annoyed. Who are these mimes? Get GTF away from me. Or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to Batman on you or something. He, he doesn't look too happy. And these mimes are kind of annoying him. And then we know the Joker's coming. And then he does. And he kills yes. this guy with a pen through the neck. And it's once again, a Tim Burton sense of humor kind of thing. Cause remember Beetlejuice was pretty macabre as well, but I mean, also very funny, but also very funny. So this, again, here comes Danny Elfman. Here comes his, once again, his circus music, as he likes to call it. It's kind of like a circus music. And here comes, you know, our newest show on the road. Let's, let's entertain audiences and throw a, throw a pen at this guy and kill him in broad daylight. I mean, it's just another gruesome, but funny thing. Yeah. And he hops in the, in like a limo and drives away and Bruce yes. kind of gets his look at him. Yeah. He does, but he, he hasn't put it together, but he definitely like something's, something's wrong. He know there's something weird going on he sees the face and he waves at him and uh, you know that's that's enough for him to keep recollecting yeah i love that what the, is this the scene next that uh oh there's the, the tv the tv he blows up yes, with a boxing yes. glove to the tv that's right he does yeah he's he well i think that that's an elvis presley thing also apparently who would shoot a tv say, shoot a tv i didn't see the new movie which i wanted to but i i just didn't have time but Yes, so this is a uh, this is one of the multiple scenes of uh, television abuse, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> television in abuse back in the day we had the TV with boxes, like it was a box TV, a big one, and, and you'd hit uh, it if it wasn't working right, and it wasn't where you would hit it, and sometimes you know, say if you're you know the clown prince of uh, crime, you want to uh, put a boxing glove through it or uh, shoot it. Yep, and he's mad that Batman is getting all the press, and he, of course yep. gives his great line: "This town this needs town needs a- <laughs> The festival opens. The police are going to stop these gangsters. Mr. Dent, Mr. Dent, what do you think of the theory that the mysterious uh, Batman is a mob enforcer uh, killing these people? I don't have any comments now. Batman. Batman. Can somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat it's all of my press. This town needs an enema. 
Well, I, I would have gotten as a kid what that meant. You know, no, you hear it. You just know it's like, oh, the Joker just said one of his jokery, goofy things again. And I know enemas are poopy and funny, but that's all I know. Yeah, I know? think after that, I I must have asked, you know, mom, <laughs> what's an enema? You know, you don't. Yeah, I I didn't go to enema school at the time, so I didn't. Uh, I wasn't schooled on uh, the art of enema. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> the art of enema. The art of, yeah, it's a great book. The, the ancient and yeah mystical art of enemies. Yeah, I think it was in the Kama Sutra somewhere. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, so Bruce and Alfred are, are in the Batcave. You know, he is, yes. uh, Alfred is a pushing, you know, hey, go on more dates with her. Yeah. You know, date a human woman. For Christ's sakes, get out of the, yeah, it's very mm-hmm. much, you know, kind of like the pre-Michael Caine, you know, mm-hmm. get out of the bloody cave and live your life. Try to live your life, Batman. I can't be dying in the cave, you know. Yeah, I, I do like his line about, was it, uh, you, you start pretending to have fun, you might have some by accident. Yeah, you yeah. might have some by, yeah. I feel there's a certain weight that lifts when she is here. Alfred, right. why don't you marry her? Mm-hmm. It's not exactly what I had in mind. I'm right. Michael Goff, and I'm currently dead. Yes. So. And so Vicky Vale is now asking Knox about Crime Alley, uh, and yes. we get to the... The case is deepening, and you feel... there. There is a story there. You know, a lot of people... There was a critique, you know, in 1989, you know, it's like, it's, it's an iconic movie, but I think there was one review I, I read where it was kind of like, it's light on story. I don't think so. No. I think the movie, the movie hits harder because they're going deeper and deeper into the, you know, it really kind of comes to the conclusion of what drives a man through loss to do this, but it's done in a way where it's, there's so much, so many iconic scenes that you kind of lose track that there is a very deep through line here with the story and it cuts back and forth fairly quickly between yes. batman story and joker story. editing was great in the film yeah, yeah they, they move very quickly yeah um because now we get to this short scene of uh, joker cutting up a bunch of photos because yeah, he's uh, enamored with vicky uh, yes he's fallen lo- he's fallen in love with her because he saw her at the right when he was miming his way when he sh- when he killed the uh and yeah it's your uncle bingo time to pay the check and every time they do this they bring up this version of uh, beautiful dreamer a stephen foster that's right in. yeah Uh, which is an interesting like addition to the score because the score is all Danny Elfman stuff, and then of course this handful of Prince songs, the Prince, and then the then beautiful Dreamer, and also I think the Waltz at the end is oh like yeah yeah that. so yeah he brings in it's real it's the mind of the Joker I mean of course but it's but the way he does it you don't really think about it, you just know it works it works it's that very like Tim Burtony like kitschy fifties sort of sound that you know, yeah. he uses. To great effect in things like Pee Wee or uh, Edward yeah. Scissorhands. Yeah, he, he does that absolutely. Stuff. Never, yeah, right. Which then they all have similar themes. I mean, they really are. All these movies are about loners. And you know, speaking of Paul Rubens, rest in peace. I mean, you know, that movie was a, in its own way about a loner, and, and Tim Burton was a loner. And of course, uh, you know, big connection between those two. Not only for Pee Wee, but then Batman Returns. He's the Penguin's father. He. Yes. Gave him that break, which and is... And who's the, who's the mother is uh, Simone. For, also from... I'm on my way to Paris. Yeah. Which uh, he needed Salinger that break. So. Uh, he need, yeah, I mean, they got... That was right after the scandal that they put him in that. He so. need, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That was a, a, Man, he got so much crap for that. And I look back, I'm like, my God, you think that's bad? Now I'm, I'm yeah. an adult listening to politics and like, <laughs> my God, he got off scot-free. Oh, yeah. My God, I'm sorry to say got off. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I don't mean any bad taste. Yeah, Rubens, but. 
Um, and now the well, this is where the plot starts to kick into gear a little more because now we right. get uh, Joker's plan, which is to distribute this Smilex gas, yes. but in a savvy way where he he's putting components of this stuff into different cosmetics mm-hmm. uh, manufactured by the chemical company so that you have to luck into purchasing the wrong combination of them to have the reaction. But I love the way it comes across is that the newscasters are talking about it oh, and then so what, the, yeah. yeah, the the poor anchor woman just starts like laughing and Becky. losing her mind. Becky, yeah. Becky, this is hardly the Becky. Yeah, and Kill it's the camera. A- this just in. Three mysterious deaths at a beauty parlor in <laughs> at a beauty parlor in Gotham were discovered today. <laughs> Barry, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Becky, this is hardly that. <laughs> Becky, kill a camera. This is Renee on the news floor. Dane, I need some paramedics up here now. All right. improved Joker products with a new secret ingredient. Smiley. What is it? Now, let's go over to our blind taste test. Love that Joker. Where's it coming from? I don't know. Uh-oh. You don't look happy. He's been using Brand X. With new Joker brand. I get a gram, a gram, and a gram. That luscious tan, those ruby lips, and hair color, so natural, only your undertaker knows for sure. (laughs) I know what you're saying. Where can I get these fine new items? Well, that's the gang. Chances are, you bought them already. (laughs) Brother Joker. So remember... Put on a happy face. And it's just a creepy, like, they all wind up with that rictus Joker grin. Like yeah, you wind up with you know. the grin. And, you know, the other thing that I kind of was putting together as a kid, but it's kind of like the Joker is like, all right, I had a taste of this, and you guys are too. Like, I'm going to get everybody involved in what I what what I had. You know, it's kind of like that a little bit too. It's like, yeah. I fell in this shit, and now, uh, you know what, I think I'm going to uh, think I'm gonna let you guys in on this secret of Smilex that made me so, so happy and so maniacal. Yeah, uh, and I love that, like, we'll get to it later, but you get to that, um, that no, I guess not that that far. Um, yeah. Um, so the next thing we get is this scene of Bruce, uh, Bruce looking at the, like, the background on Napier that he's like, oh, he's yeah, well, prone to yeah. violent mood swings, and he's good at chemistry and art. Chemistry, and, yeah, yes, he is looking at the file after he turns off the, the take, taken over uh, news channel. Yes, he, he looks at the, um, yeah, he is looking at the file, yep. And then one, I think one of the better, like, um, more subtle gags of the film. So they go back to the news and they're still doing the news, but now they are not wearing any makeup makeup. and they look like ass. Like it's so good. And it's like the worst nightmare of anybody on public television. And it's, uh, it's phenomenal. And they, they did exaggerate it with the makeup, you know, and what is the pattern here? And you just see all these zits on the guy and the hair is just like flopped to the side. It's it's funny. I mean, Burton hasn't lost his sense of humor. If once again, if Christopher Nolan did that, it would be like, Oh my God, there's no makeup. This is very serious. I'm like, no, Burton is like, no, no, this is not serious. This is funny. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so now we get to City Hall. Uh, they're telling it, well, the festival's still going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alfred has to uh, tell Bruce that uh, the meeting is not happening between her, uh, him and Vicki Vale. Right. 
Uh, and then we get back to uh, Nicholson and Alicia, who now has this creepy fucking mask on. And you have no idea why. No idea why. He just tells her uh, daddy's going yeah, to make some art. art darling. Yeah. And he's putting on his clown makeup. So now you know. It's like, okay, he's covering it up. Um, which, by the way, was incredibly hard for Nick Dudman to do. I know that um, they had to use – because they, they did actually put on a layer of uh, skin tone makeup over the Joker makeup for real. So – they had to do it in such a way that it would be so thin that, that you have to remove it in just the right way or everything would come off. Yeah. It's a real neat trick that they do with yeah. that. That it, you know, you're right. So he's got, of course his natural human skin, he's got the white makeup on and then yes. this flesh colored makeup on top of yes. that. And it has to all work. Yes. It was um, just, just phenomenal work by Nick Dudman. And you know, he would go on and have such a illustrious career, Harry Potter, of course, many others, but he, Man, this was his like for me. That's the best. That is the best Joker makeup in my opinion. I I think his that makeup, it's it really just defines Joker the way I thought of him as a kid, especially. Yeah, and they've never really attempted it since because no. Heath Ledger's Joker is explicitly he's not this. I mean, he's disfigured, but he's not no. white. He, you know, he is putting he on, on. He puts it on, and um, which kind of goes against the comic. But well, it depends on the the interpretation. But yes, this is the. You know, the, the even Cesar Romero back in the day had read, he said, well, I saw a black and white interview in, with him in makeup, just talking normal, not laughing hysterically, although his mustache is funny because he never wanted to shave it off, mm-hmm. um, even with the makeup. But he's, he says, well, you know, uh, according to uh, the character I play, uh, I believe he was, uh, you know, he was a criminal. He was like breaking in somewhere and he fell into a river. But you see, the river was had chemicals in it and turned my hair green and my skin white. I'm like, oh, shit. So. It was it was an older idea, but yes, this it, this is, is the only one to to kind of bring that to life in that way. It's the canonical one, I believe. They might have done it with Jared Leto as well, but who gives a shit? Yeah, um, who gives a shit? Um, well, well, apparently some people because Jared Leto just wasn't going away for the longest time. Snyder was like, okay, now I'll give him to you with long hair. And yeah, I'm like all right. Look, the minute we saw that photo and it said damaged on it, I'm like, my image is damaged of this, and I will not be seen. It's not good. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, and so we do get a little bit of, of Joker in the, the most recent Matt Reeves Batman. He is. We do. But he's, he's so horribly disfigured that, that that for sure is the worst. That's more like an Arkham Asylum game situation, I think, or something. Yeah, Barry, Barry Keoghan, the Irish, Irish actor. Yeah, yeah, which is its own thing. Um, so they, they just sort of pick and choose. It depends on what kind of story they want to tell. Like, you know, Christopher yeah. Nolan is doing a different, his thesis is just different. So you have a different yeah. Joker. It's um, homegrown terrorism is what Christopher Nolan is doing. It really is post 9-11 terrorism with a maniac who calls himself Joker, but unfortunately is the kind of person who would show up in a movie theater. Do so. His, his was probably the scariest because you feel like it could be real, but the clown, I, I still like the clown the best, the clown, the mani- maniac clown. Yeah. Uh, and so now we get to this museum scene, which is great. So Vicky goes there. She thinks she's meeting Bruce Wayne, but yes. she gets this box with a mask in it to put on. Urgent. Urgent. Yeah. This on, written by a maniac. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so she puts it on. Everyone is gassed probably to death. They land around their her. really delicious looking food. Uh, and then he walks in, kicks on the, uh, the Prince tunes and decides to desecrate all of the paintings in the museum. But like, Except for the Francis Bacon one, which, as you know, you know, I kind of like this, Bob. Leave it. Uh, the Francis Bacon, one of the inspirations for uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh, interesting. So he has a thing for the demented uh, Francis Bacon. So he stops Bob from uh, decimating it. Hmm. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, and even this museum is like like it feels like H.R. Giger designed this museum. Oh, like 100%. just the, the look of it. It's just like I couldn't oh, imagine it being a real art museum. It's, it's so more, awful. It's it's Metropolis. It's yeah. it really Metropolis is, you know, meaning like the 1920s silent it is film the 1920s, Metropolis. Right, it is, but this took I mean, well, you know, it's funny because Nolan I think had his crew watch Blade Runner before they did their Gotham, but no, this this movie is clearly the one. These these are the people who watch Blade Runner because this this city is very similar. It it is a dystopian metropolis, and the, these pieces, the, their Art Deco and the gargoyles, it is of another time. But again, the, yeah, the production design by the late Anton First, especially in that museum, I think that was shot on Pinewood. Um, th- I mean, that's that set's incredible. You, do, you it's like you want to go. That's actually one of the sets I would want to go to. Uh, would be that museum where I feel like I would be able to like have like a nice lunch and look at paintings, but it's, it's twisted as hell. Yeah. Uh, so he sits down at the table with her. Uh, they have this confrontation. He yes. reveals what he did to Alicia, which is horrifying. Yes, it is. He just squirted her in the face with acid. For, hey, he finds it funny. And that, you know, yeah, like, for no clear reason no. we never find out why he did that. And there probably was no reason. He probably just felt like it. He, well that, and that's, that's, that's the Jack Nicholson Joker. He just yeah. felt like it. So he tries to do that to Vicky. She it dodges is. it. Uh, at which point, uh, Batman comes crashing through the uh, After the he says, I'm melting. You know, she splashes the water in his face. Oh, yeah, I melting, love that. Which is amazing because when you're a kid, that, that that will scare the shit out of you because you feel like he actually is melting and she got him with water or something. And then it's like, hey, guess what? Just makeup. Hilarious. Boo. Yeah, and I love this is again the flesh colored Joker where like it's yes. washed off Washes partially. It away. Right. It's so good. Partially. Like makeup. Um, amazing. And a, a, a lot of the Wicked Witch references in the late 80s. I don't know why. We just did an episode on uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, who oh, yeah. they, they do it again in there. Yeah. Um, they like the, they like their melting jokes. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Batman <laughs> comes crashing through the ceiling, which, again, this is, I, I love that shot of him. So, what can I do for you? Oh, little song, little dance. Batman's head on a lance. Tell me, uh. What do you know about I don't know anything about Batman. Really? Well, how about a little you and me? Hmm? You're insane. I thought I was a Pisces. Come on, let's make up. Have a little whiff of my posy. don't know how they did it they must have taken him a million takes to do this without killing michael keaton with the but music coming with, right, right yeah and he just fires off the like grappling hook or whatever and they zip out of there and uh where does he get all those wonderful toys where does he get all those wonderful toys it's just another iconic line and you know it really yeah he's he, that was in every commercial out, it was in every commercial and then in the final film it's actually muffled a little bit i know this because i've seen like every version of the I've seen the VHS, I've seen the laser disc, I've seen it. And every time, you know, you got the loud music, you got 
Vicky screaming and then somewhere in there, she get those wonderful toys, mm-hmm. you know, but such an iconic line. And um, I also love when he fires the weapon and the music is in full swing. It almost looks like he's going to fire it right at the Joker's face, but it doesn't. It goes in two different directions. Yeah, it goes so sideways. That's funny. It's just a big, big F you to the Joker. Like, fuck you and your scheme. Here I come. Yeah. So I love that. And then we get this uh, chase with the, the Batmobile. First time we see it in the film. Yeah. We thought this cr- creature was like prowling around. Turns out he's got himself a sick ride. I mean, it's one of those things where like, you know, anybody who knows anything about Batman, it's like, well, you've seen the Adam West. You know, he's got the car. Like, let's see it. What does it look like? This is my favorite Batmobile design. Um, I, yes. I love it. It's so cool. Um you know, because it's so unique. There's not, it doesn't look like anything else you've ever seen before. It's it's the only one that is, you know, for that one review said it's the thing is cooler than an ice cube wearing Ray-Bans. This Batmobile is sexy. This is a sexy looking Batmobile too. And I don't mean like Joel Schumacher sexy. I mean like this thing is slick. This well, is like the risky business of Batmobiles or something. And that this was one of the problems with the car. I mean, there's a lot of problems with the Schumacher ones, but like they're, one, they're, one of them was that they, they, you know, they put like lights all over it made it like like they kept yeah. trying to think how do we make it look better and better and the answer yeah. was no less is more like less it, is more they did the the disney electrical parade version of the batmobile which is fun you know i've always loved loved the designs of every batmobile pretty much but yeah they did they put too many lights on it like i love the forever batmobile it's like just keep the thing in the dark yeah it's i mean convertible, but just keep it in the dark well and it's supposed right. to be right stealthy in some way that he's yeah. prowling around in the dark yeah. um I, I love this one i like the animated series which is a slightly more car looking right. version it's longer of it but and it's yeah it doesn't have that like airplane nose kind of as no much. it doesn't have the airplane nose no. but it's still really cool like this this is so great and then we sort of see what it can do is it like the way it fires off a hook to go around a corner um yeah. all of its different gadgets and stuff the way, uh, and i love that like they leave the car behind and he pushes a button and like this shield comes over this impenetrable yeah, shields the impenetrable shields one of one of the weaker special effects but the idea is there but the the effects there you it's like okay i see where it's being i see what's going on they perfected it more in batman returns but uh but yes that it's again iconic slick and he's got kind of um a james bond thing going yeah and they even have i mean the way this car chase goes it's so cool and they have that like pilot it's like the blues brothers level yes. of like Millions of cars yeah, crashing cops are, into each cops other. Cops are responsible. They like to crash cars. You know, this is Michael Bay probably had, you know, wet dreams about this or something. Yeah. So when he was here, he's like, oh, this is great. I want to do this one day with robot transformers. Yeah. And I love the, the so he they escape into this alley and mm-hmm. they use the, the hook again to go up into the, uh, the, yes. the top of the building. And there's that joke where he's like, how much do you weigh? Yeah. Which you um, never want to ask, you know? Yeah. yeah. One away. Right. And I love yeah. that he gives her shit. for like, one away, really? You weigh, you weigh a little more than 108. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very funny. Uh, and then, so they, they take out these dudes. They, he summons the car remotely. Um, and they head off. I love this part where they drive off into the woods to the back. The music here is like, I, this is one of the, like, I mean, Danny Elfman's score is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, the Batman theme itself. You know, like we talked about at the beginning. I think this is the, maybe the best piece of the movie because it kind of takes the, that theme and like one ups it. It's very rewatchable. I mean, this is the kind of thing that when I'm surfing YouTube, I watch a lot of like older movie trailers and I watch a lot of clips and I just, I don't know that kind of stuff. Just, you know, I sleep better when I see that stuff. And this is one that always pops up. It's and the track, of course, on the soundtrack is is uh, Descent into Mystery, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah, 
it really, I think at that point in the film, and then when you see that theme, it really kind of seals the deal that this will always be one of the most iconic soundtracks. To this day, this is Danny Elfman's best work, as far as I'm concerned. He's done a lot of soundtracks. Nothing touches this. The depth and the, you feel the angst and you feel the pain and you feel the mystery of Batman. It's kind of wrapped up in that one scene. And I love the way that the trees look so gothic and it's almost, it's like a demented fairy tale in that scene. And she wants to know who he is and He's not letting on. It's just, it's so powerful. And, it's so powerful. And the way he goes, you know, he's careening around these curves, and he drives at what appears to be just a, a cliff, dead yeah. a dead end, and yeah. it just it you know, it and moves so fast. And the music yeah. crescendos with like it's like you know I I don't know what that translates to. It's like don't don't mess with that. Well, you name checked uh, Phantom of the Opera before, and I think yeah. that the scene of like him leading like Christine down into the, the lair, yeah, this is the same thing. We like, were both Phantom. Yeah, kids, we you uh, actually really have to thank you because you kind of turned me on. You saw the Claude Rains version first, and Did I, I? Okay. telling me, yeah, you said I said, what does he look like? You said, I swear, I I don't know, my memory is kind of crazy, but I said, yeah, it looks like the looks like the inside of a pizza. I'm like, cool, I want to see. Yeah, that. and then I saw the Claude Rains. And it we does. were both fans of it. It does. Well, they toned mm-hmm. it down because uh, the World War II was going on, so it could have looked worse. Yeah, they toned down the makeup and nothing could be launch any, but. Uh, I digress. It is a Phantom of the Opera moment, and it really is, you know, like kind of like that leading Christine. It really is that. Yeah. It's that. Except he is good and not evil. He's good, but the Phantom in certain ways is good, too. You know, I've I've always identified with the Phantom of the, you know, it's like, I don't know, misunderstood (laughs) misunderstood or something. So, but yes, he's, he, he is a hero, but it's also tragic and it's mysterious and that's, it's kind of everything the Phantom is. Yeah, and so he gets to the the Batcave. This is where we find out, you know, Bat- Batman is already sussed out. He has the world's greatest detective. He's figured out the yeah. chemical equation. He cracked it. Yeah. He cracked it. He yeah. knows it's the three different things. Yes, which he basically gives that information to Vicky, so she will disseminate that. Yeah. to so people will know what to do with these products. Yeah, and you the lighting in that scene is so amazing. You know, the police have got it wrong. They're looking for one product and. He's in the dark. She doesn't know who the hell he is. He's turning away because he's like, oh, shit, I can't let her. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. He moves every time she gets closer. That's another thing that hasn't been done in the other Batman where, like, she's creeping up on him, a little phantom there, and he's kind of crouching away and curling away. I mean, this guy is, like, misunderstood. He's like, Batman is shy. I don't know. There's something about it that I love. He's, he's. I mean, he's just, I don't know. It's, like, it's so badass. And he's very reluctant to give away his secret identity. Absolutely. Which is, that's in keeping with the character there yeah. are very few people who know his secret right um and yeah I, I it's great and so then we get to i believe joker shoots another tv he does um, yeah. yeah so uh well she yeah so she wakes up she um yeah and then i have given a name to my pain and his batman and he gets rid of tv number two yes he does yeah. once again funny and uh, after another brief scene between uh batman and alfred in the Batcave, we go to this scene at vicky vale's apartment where yeah. Bruce shows up there to talk to her and they're trying to, you know, hash out, you know, uh, why their rendezvous did not go as planned. And what's a, what is a yeah. kind of like a very realistic moment too. This kind of grounds it as what I've always loved about Burton's vision of Batman versus other ones. And it kind of goes back to movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark or really any kind of fantasy movie is that you have a fantastical world that is very much fiction, but the characters within, I mean, they even did this really with Dick Tracy, which was also scored by Elfman, is that the characters seem quite real, but the world they live in, and it was the original Star Wars, the 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 dialogue and the characters seem very human and very realistic. You really identify with these people. Whereas other interpretations of Batman, okay, uh, fantasy world, fantasy people. Like, it's 
but this one had the mix where the dialogue grounds it. And this, this scene between them felt like real people arguing in a fantasy world. So it's a mixture of both. You don't get all the way serious. You don't get all the way fantasy. You're kind of right where you need to be as a kid, especially. Yeah. And I like that, uh, that moment where, you know, Bruce kind of just sort of, he's looking sort of towards the camera and he's just mouthing the words. He's trying to say it. He's trying to say it. Yeah. It's great. And, uh, and then uh, knock at the door. It is the Joker. Of course. And uh, he's, he's there to, to make his play. Yeah. Uh, he tells you know, her, we really should have a talk. I'm very upset. <laughs> he tells her Alicia threw herself out the window, yeah. which is, uh, that's dark. Yeah. Real dark. Did she throw herself out the window? I wonder, but yeah. It's dark either way. It's dark either way, but he, but he tells it. So, in a, you know, it's like, he's trying to turn her on or something. You know, uh, it's like, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm single again. Uh, you know, Alicia, she uh, threw herself out the window. What are you doing Friday night? You know, yeah. there's something about it that only the Joker, that's like the Joker's way of flirting is so, so ridiculously demented. Yep. And this is when, uh, we get, uh, let's get nuts, but we get, so, yes. so Bruce confronts him. He tells this whole story about, Oh, this poor, uh, Jack Napier character. Mm-hmm. He had a slop, was it a sloppy head full of bad wiring? Yeah. Let me tell you about this guy I know, Jack. Mean kid, bad seed, hurt people. I like him already. (laughs) You know, the problem was he got sloppy, you know, crazy. He started to lose it. He had a head full of bad wiring, I guess. Couldn't keep it straight up here. He was the kind of guy who... I couldn't hear the train until it was two feet from him. You know what happened to this guy, Jack? Wow. Made mistakes. And then he had this. Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. (laughs) Never rub another man's rhubarb. And he's, yeah, he's intimidating him and everything. And then he says the line, do you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? which catches Bruce off guard. It does. Uh, and then he shoots him, and we'll find out later, of course, he had a silver tray in his shirt. So yeah, and a lot, this, this scene is so, so very interesting, and I think it's one of the most, it, it probably is the most quoted other than my Batman, you know, really is the Let's Get Nuts, which it's kind of nauseating in the flash when they use it just to just to benefit the movie, but it's not Batman's movie. But again, another conversation. But this is interesting because he's playing the Joker. He's playing him and Bruce is, he's got these Batman instincts. He's got the, he's got the silver tray. He's ready to take a bullet, but he's kind of pissed off. He's, he is kind of going there. He is going insane for a minute there. And then, you know, and then that gets broken with the ever dance by the devil by the pale moon light. So as a character, he's like, Oh shit, that is a curveball. What does he mean by that? So um, yeah, that's the, that's the ultimate clue that's going to drive him to the truth. But but just a great scene where you've got different character dynamics going on. And this is the most, like, it's a di- very different version of Bruce Wayne you almost get in this confrontation scene where he tries to, like, out-crazy the Joker. 
and yeah. the Joker is like his shit in a in a, like a like a sophomoric way in a way. It's but it's very, it's it's just so unique. And it's a play. Like it, it doesn't. You don't get the impression like he's really going to take this guy down here and now either. No. It's like he's he's trying to get information out of him. He's trying to. You know, it's like I'm not even sure exactly what his end game is before he gets shot. He but may not know what he's doing. Yeah, you know, there is that kind of thing. Like he's kind of he's like, well, he's like, I got to protect Vicky. I got to do something. But yeah, he's. I think he is getting information. But I think he's kind of going nuts and letting he's he's letting you know he's letting loose. Or something, something's going on with him where he doesn't care for. I think that that moment. Yep. And then the uh, Joker just sort of walks out. He's got the beautiful dreamer song going again. Yeah. And he does this weird exit where he just goes <laughs> and yeah, just walks exactly. out again. Just because he's a hopeless romantic, and that's another. That's another. Uh, you know, when you're uh, the clown prince of crime, that's a great flirting thing is to kind of fart your way down a hallway. <laughs> just, because, it know, again feels like they with just lovely let, music by Danny Elfman. Well, they just let Nicholson sort of do what he felt like doing. They let Jack be Jack, yeah. and again, I think I, I'm not sure what Tim Burton. I know, I, I know this must have been Tim Burton's Jaws, you know, and that this was a this was a really really hard movie to shoot for sure, faux show. But yes, I'm sure uh, Jack was like, "Look, Tim, why don't you uh, stay behind the camera and let me just do a few things?" And oh, I don't know, I'll just go crazy, and you can use it if you want or not. And that's probably what happened right there. I'm sure, uh, and. So so now we get to Knox. First, she goes to check on Bruce, and he's gone. He should be lying he's there dead. dead. Right. So clearly he's not dead. And, oh, thank God, Batman is not dead. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, now she knows something's up. We get Knox yeah. telling her. He's coming to a head. Yeah, Knox tells her, here's what happened in Crime Alley. She gets the story. Um, Batman yeah. is looking at the file on his parents. Right. And, we're not there yeah. yet because then he's going to. I think, yeah, I we're think not we're, quite to the flashback. We're not, we're, we're not there yet, but we're, things are definitely, the tension is rising and characters are kind of finding their kind of the core of the story. Yeah. We're almost there. The almost you know, there. Gordon, uh, it says the gala is postponed now because of too much crime. Basically. Yeah, that's right. It cuts from, it cuts from Bruce fingering out, you know, it's so funny. Like, um, this is such a good example of, of filmmaking is that all you need really is, is to go from, from kind of the culmination of, a, of an idea of a character from one scene and then just have one scene in between the culmination. And that's really what this is here is there is a lot of cross cutting and it's quick, but the pacing is great. You know, Bruce is figuring it out. Then we're going to have that city hall scene where he's, he's canceling it. And then we're going to get to the next scene where he's kind of figured it out. It's going quick. It's good. Yeah. yeah. And then during the, the speech from, from commissioner Gordon, yes. uh, Joker takes over the airwaves and tells everybody, Hey, I'm a man of the people. I'm going to just yeah. rain Look, money on you. I'm, I took off my makeup. See, I have skin like everybody else. I'm, I'm not wearing white clown makeup. Right. You know, he, so he's, yeah, he's trying to appeal to everybody. And he, yeah. And he literally says, uh, he'll drop $20 million on the crowd. Yes. Uh, which is awesome. Uh, where which it's going to be mono and mono. It's like, you know, I could use the money. Maybe I should, Maybe I should be there for that event. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, especially to watch him go up against Batman, which is what he wants. No, it's spectacular. Uh, and so we watch uh, – now this comes to where we're at the, the flashback of the death of the Waynes. Yes. And we see young Jack Napier pointing a gun at the grief-stricken Bruce Wayne and saying the devil in the pale moonlight sentence to him again. Tell me, kid. You ever did? 
neighbor who is now a director his name is hugo blick and he directed uh, i think the series the english with emily blunt if i'm not mistaken he's one of the directors so young homicidal jack neighbor but i i digress he's well cast too he he looks Amazing. enough like well, him yeah. he look, he's not jack but he's young jack napier he's right he's got that grin and, and he's terrifying yeah he looks like you know he would be more scary to me if i was you know eight-year-old bruce wayne than like present grown day, like Joker. grown up Joker. Yeah. Yes. yes. He's, he's great. And so now after the flashback, Alfred does the unthinkable by bringing Vicky Vale into the Batcave to see, to learn He'll the secret shit about that in the next film too. He doesn't let that go. Yeah, that's right. He does He'll mention it. Into the Batcave. Oh, hi Vic. Come on in, which I could have done without. I thought that was a little too ad libby, but yeah, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. I like Batman no. returns fine enough. Most people think it's the ultimate christmas movie aside from die hard but yeah. rocky four also a christmas movie <laughs> yeah no that's good that's good rocky and 4 gremlins we've done gremlins too. gremlins is a yes no those are all and even lethal weapon i will say right well. okay so um we got bruce he's dressed like steve jobs uh and he <laughs> says he's he has to do this because nobody else can and joker's still out there i have to go to work and he Love shoots up line. I got to go to work. It's work. You see, that's another thing I love. I don't know what it is about some of these lines, especially when you're a kid. That's another one of my favorite lines. I got to go to work. You know, it's like, it, it's work. I got to put on. The I've suit. heard my dad say that a hundred times on his way out the door. Right? Yeah. And I've heard my dad say it and it's, it's, you know, I got to, so it's like, yeah, I got to put on, I got to, you know, I got to get on this heavy fucking costume. I got to go out there. We got to turn on Danny Elfman's music. I got to fire up the car. I got, you know, it takes work, uh, avenging your parents' death. Yep, night yes. after night. Night after night. Yes. Um, but he's not taking the car, as we're about to find out. No, um, he's not. He sends right. the car out he to does. go blow up Axis Chemicals, which is cool. Which to this day, I always think he's in the car. I swear to God, even to this day, the way they it's never edited, technically say he's not in the car. He could just be. Well, he's busy. no, he's not in the car. Do they? Not, do they, confirm they show that? the car pull up to him later, and he stops it with the. the, the oh yeah, he, yeah, they, yeah. They do, but he's so he's he's not in the car. But the way they edit it, I. To this day, like even when I hear the music, I have it on my soundtrack. I'll play it to, just to, you know, pump myself up to sell suits when I go to work or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they – yeah, I always feel like he's in the car. It's like, I'm going to get this costume and I'm going to drive that fucking car and axis Kelmo's. I'm going to go there myself. I always feel that. And then it's like, oh, you're not in there. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a cool fake <laughs> out. You're fake right. Out. Absolutely. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we have that helicopter, I think, in a moment. Like, you got that him, lovely sort of. miniature helicopter, which is fine because it's a cool-looking helicopter. Yeah. Uh, and now we're to the, at the parade. Prince's uh, trust his uh, Prince's trust is in full swing. Now, now I don't know uh, this this project. This is not a joke. Was supposed to be given to Michael Jackson. I can't remember the reasons why, but it, it did go to Prince. And thank God for that, because you know it's like I don't know what that would have like. Ooh, Batman <laughs> beating up the Joker. Who? Yeah, you know, it I wouldn't be right. He's not the right no. Prince. Is a better fit for this. It's still a little weird to have it there, but it works. You know, it, I, I'll take it. Yeah, Prince is more. I mean, as as I would attest with Bat dances, Prince is just more gothic. Just and now, now folks, folks, it's time for who do you trust? Hubba hubba hubba, money, money, money. Who do you trust? Me? I'm giving away free money. And where 
is the Batman. He's at home, washing his tights. <laughs> flies through the night and finds me ready. Bob Mask. Mask! Put him on now! And now comes the part where I relieve you, the little people, of the burden of your failed and useless lives. But as my plastic surgeon always said, if you gotta go, go with a smile. <laughs> that's true he's he is goth. he is again more of a freak in a way although michael jackson is pretty weird um but no but michael yeah he's a di- hey a different kind of weird freak. he's a di- yeah he's the batman of children i don't want to get uh, into yeah, it. let's not go there let's not go there um so yeah but so he's making it rain it is you know he's dropping money on everybody yes and he's the speechifying trust. about who do you trust and now we get them. He's a great, and he's a great politician, by the yeah. way. Yeah, this is exact. You know, this this is absolutely not an allegory about what's going on, but it is just so funny to see how easily you can. And this is fantasy again, but it is just kind of funny that he is kind of pulling a modern candidate. It's like, who do you trust? I'm big. I'm loud. You know, let's. You know, everybody's yeah. going to vote for me. Yeah, and he's, he's not even running for anything. He's just no. dry, he's just basically popularity, he's a, he's, and he wants to. Fade, fade. He's, a, he's a game show host. He just wants know? to lure our Batman out, which he does because he shows up in the fucking Batwing, which rules. Yes, he fucking does. And you know, again, I did read a review once that said the Batwing looks like a miniature. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It no. looks like that thing is big. It's flying in the air. It looks real. It's and the music. You know, Elfman. It was just so on the money with every. There's there's no musical part in this movie from the soundtrack that's wrong. And he knows when to go full throttle. So the introduction of the Batmobile, full throttle. Introduction of the Batwing, the way and you know the way it flies around the Gotham Cathedral and and you get a good look at it and it's kind of swaying around and he's, the music is full. like Elfman knows how to entertain. This right. is exactly. Elfman. This is what he's doing. And this is when, you know, the balloons start, yes. the parade balloons start releasing the Smilex gas. People are freaking out. And the Batwing comes in and just like kind of clips them all and yes. pulls them off into the sky and lets them go. The only gadget that does kind of make me laugh is that, you know, he has very nice, convenient scissors for grabbing, I guess, criminal. You never know when you're going to need that. You yeah, never you, know when you're going to lose balloon scissors or you know, <laughs> yeah. disable a kite. Or I, don't, I don't know, but it's just funny these guys. It's like, oh, I happen to have some bat clippers on the uh, nose cone of my, uh, my bat. Yeah, which is that's pretty tricky flying, too, just to snag all those. And, and He's expert. And He's very Tom Cruise with his precision. He's yeah. Very, very Tom Cruise. And we get that amazing shot of it just against the moon, making the, the symbol. Well, which becomes the cover on the soundtrack. Right. And they did try to duplicate it in The Flash, and guess what? You, I'll let you decide which, which film did it better. Yeah, I'll of just course. let you decide on that one. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, like, they never really went up to this, because I know they introduced that, like, bat sewer mobile thing in the sequel. They, yeah, and it's did. just like you just—it's not—it's never going to be as cool as this. No, a know? lot of sequels suffer from kind of to, you know taking the same material and repeating it beat by beat. So you're repeating the story, you're making it bigger. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Home Alone Two: Lost in New York—it's like let's do let's have the same beats of the first one, but just set in a city. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Let's go. But although I love Die Hard with a Vengeance, but that's a fun one. Yeah, that is a great. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, and so Batman. Uh, <laughs> I love, like, the Joker's reaction to the balloons being taken away. It's just so funny. Time to kill Bob. My balloons. Get 
Those are my balloons. I'm going to need a minute or two alone, boys. Come on, get out of here! How to kill Bob? Like for no good reason, just shoots Bob. Well, he's he. Look, I poor mean, Bob. when you're the, poor Bob, but you know, look, he's got a lot on his mind. He's the crown, crown prince of crime once again, and you know, it's like he just. But no, it it is hilarious, and I love the you know the Bob gun is very similar to Indy, you know, just shooting the guy in uh, Raiders. It's similar. It's not the same scope or the same level of famous, but you know, it's just like oh, let me just get rid of this guy. Yeah, and he pulls out this ridiculously long yes. revolver, which is funny and serious at the same time. It's like oh shit, I guess that. I mean, come on, that that I always. That was kind of funny. It's like he could take it out with that kind of shot, you know, with this this highly protected. And we never noticed him like, did, was he bending that leg before, you know, with it in his pants? But it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. No, you know, it doesn't matter because it does the, you know, the joke. The Joker's bullet works, and down goes the Batwing, and it's uh, it's scary. And it's the first time I noticed like it's very much the exact same beat as uh, Dark Knight, where he's heading at Joker on the motorcycle yeah, and it, Joker's it, like, come it, on, hit me. It, it is it's the exact same beat. And it's because the same, it's the same fundamental issue with these characters, same which boy. is it, well, because the Joker sure. knows he, Batman is the good guy and he won't kill me. Batman can't do it. Right. Although in this one, I'm, it's not clear because he shoots the thing out of the sky. He, he no, in the, but in this one, I will say so. So yes, in that one, they made the moral dilemma. Oh, he can't kill, which, I mean, Keaton, he kind of does it with style, but no, Keaton, what Keaton was ready to kill for faux show. Like mm-hmm. Keaton was ready to kill. And I, I don't, I don't really care too much about the Batman no kill. I didn't care until Zack Snyder came along. And then I was just kind of pissed off because I know Zack Snyder. And we haven't even mentioned Zack Snyder's Batman stuff I, yet. Yeah. Which is, there's a reason. It's not there's a mentioning. reason because I, I sometimes forget that universe exists. And mm-hmm. once again, I'm in style, like I think you are, we're, I'm very nostalgic. So I, I a lot of times think the best work of cinema is in the past, not the future. But then I'm occasionally surprised by something, uh, something currently. But yes, in the past, Keaton knew when to do it, and he he was aiming for Joker. He was, you see that, but somehow he misses. I I never understood that. Well, and he fires the the gun at the bottom of the the bat wing, which is like he hits it real good because yes. that thing comes crashing out of the sky. Yeah, he hits a very very nice vulnerable spot. I mean, as a kid, you don't really care. I'm just thinking as a you know a 43 year old adult. Like shit, the Batmobile movie. took five million bullets and nothing happened to it. You know, the, right? The Batmobile took five million bullets, but this one took. The only thing I can think of, if we if we want to get ultra nitpicky is that the thing was like a prototype and he wasn't finished with it. Uh, that's something that, it could or he hits in the right spot or he something. Right you know, spot, it doesn't yeah. matter, but it crashes. It doesn't matter. because it's, it's cool. And the Joker grabs Vicky Vale and runs into this cathedral for the, for an old fashioned showdown, you know, the old, yeah. fa- and even, you know, darling, I got to get you to the church on time. It's very, it becomes very archetypal. It's, it's, it becomes the old fashioned man has to save what, you know, the hero, the hero's journey. And this is the last step. And, they make you. They make you feel it. It's done very, very well in the writing. I love this. Anyways, so the Joker 
goes up to the top of the bell tower and yes. Batman has to fight his way up past all the goons. Yes. And uh, with that love with the wonderful uh, music playing. This is the waltz. The waltz. Yeah. Waltz to the death. And I love that he's like, you know, he like lets these guys kind of clang into the bell and then fall down. Like, again, not the not the no kill Batman. He's, you know, no, he's and, you know, it's, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he does kill a bit. But this is this is kind of like, again, I, I usually don't care about that because with Keaton, it's like, look, the guy's got a pretty good fucking reason. Like he's these guys are horrible people like, yeah, he's going to kill. But a lot of times they ha- it happens by themselves. Like he hits the guy's head, the guy fall, the guy falls. So it's like it kind of like. Uh, it's too late now. You're dead, but he doesn't. I don't think he cares too much. Yeah, it's just not. Again, that's not the wavelength this movie is operating it's, on. So it's it doesn't not, matter. Not operating really on morals per se. Yeah, or not, not, not nitpicky morals. Yeah, yeah. I, so we get yeah, Beauty and the Beast. They're they're dancing. He d- does a joke about there's a bat in my belfry. Mm-hmm. The bell comes crashing down, so the cops can't follow him up. So it's just great, Batman. Great part. Yep. Great part. Uh, with the acid, he applies the acid, down goes the ancient bell. And that's what I love yep. also about this sequence is that you could feel how old that place is. This this is an ancient it really it's like a hunchback of Notre Dame Dom Dame Dom situation, you know, where it's it's very, very ancient in the way It's as gothic as you get. It's as gothic as you that's right. And they're fighting amongst the gargoyles. I mean, this is like this scene, kind of like the descent in the mystery, really culminates why Batman is such a great Batman. Like why that movie is so great is is it's culminating in that that they're fighting amongst the gargoyles. It's it, it it doesn't get more gothic than that. I mean the the use of music and the lighting and you know it's very it's very comic book brought to life and that's it that's hard to do. Yeah, and is it? I love that. Uh, I mean, even as much as like Batman is kicking his ass, like Joker is still kind of just not giving a crap and throwing out jokes. Excuse me. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Kill you. You idiot! You made me, remember? You dropped me into that vat of chemicals. That wasn't easy to get over. And don't think that I didn't try. I know you did. your parents i mean i say i made you you gotta say you made me and how childish can you get huh? you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses on would you huh? he throws no. at the chattering teeth yeah you know would you hit a guy with glasses I mean, you know it's like he's you know. you know what's funny it's like i think he's getting hurt but you're right he's kind of like oh shit i just got my teeth kicked in all right time for another joke like yeah it is a little killing joke i guess where yeah, I think he's just getting the the crap beaten out of him. But uh, and I, I love that Keaton took a beating too. I love that this is one of the few times that you see, you know, kind of scarred, messed up, you know, practically burned Batman. You know, he just survived the burning Batwing and he got out of it. And he's and and dude is messed up looking. Like the dude, he took a beating, and it it's perfect. Yeah, and this is you know they, they've been mirroring each other in lots of ways throughout the whole movie, and now so we get literally. Line. 
You literally, Joker is basically saying, I made you, you made me, who cares? Right. Um, well, you made me first. And that's that's what I love about it. It's like, I made you, you made me first. And they know who they are now. And I think he, Joker's starting to realize at first, he's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? He says, you killed my parents. And then, the, and, but then he brushes off. He's like, oh, like, you know, I was I, a kid when I killed your parents. Or it's just like, I kill a lot of people's parents or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It means nothing to him. He's, he is a true Joker. And, you know, that, but that's, this is the culmination. And what he knows that, that Bruce does not yet know is that, you know, he's got a, a, a rescue helicopter coming in. He does. Which is why he's being so cavalier. He figures, I just have right. to survive long enough to hop in this helicopter and I'm right. gone. That's it. Which, of course, it then comes and then we get the death of the Joker, which is this crazy thing where they're, you know, they're on the side of the, the church um, and Batman puts the grappling thing around him and around yeah. the gargoyle. That's right. And the gargoyle just is too heavy and it pulls him down and he's just like laughing the whole time. Like it's, and as, as, a, yeah. as a kid and even now, you know, this is one of the movies that really could make you afraid of heights. This is, yeah. this is one where you really, really, really feel like this is like mission impossible ghost protocol level height up here. I mean, or cliffhanger or something. You you really feel like one false move, and you, you're you're dead as disco. I mean, well, yeah. And also, like the the unique thing of like being dragged down by this heavy weight, like yeah. that to me was like I, I felt that viscerally of like yeah. Oh oh my god! Like you know, it's scary enough to fall, but then feeling like I gotta hang onto this thing. Or yeah. The, like yeah, I don't can do anything about it. I mean, he's yeah. he's like sensing his own death in real time. It's very it, that was a scary scene. That was done. Yeah, like he's he's been so psychotic and cocky, but like there's like that like you can see on his face like well he's really scared. Like yeah. he knows. Like, yeah, you even see him. I mean, it's hard to hear, but like he loses a rung and he goes shit. Mm-hmm. He does. So he is he is scared for even for a psychotic maniac. He's very scared. And uh, then he lets go. kid that's once again you know we talk about my first impression as a kid it's like that is that was the mother of all falls as a kid that was like the fall i mean now you look at it you're kind of like okay he's like very kind of matte painting ish kind of falling but it, it just doesn't get higher than that and that that was just like the best bad guy fall as a kid that was like the best bad guy death as a kid yeah your suspension of disbelief wipes away any of the little technical stuff of how, oh, how it looks no. yeah um, yeah yeah absolutely yeah he goes crashing down uh we get that great shot of him lying on the ground and you yes. just hear that cackling which is like this little like just bag in his pocket yes it's what a great joker laughing, death what a great yeah even in death it's a it's a gag and man he looks messed up he looks the perfect amount of messed up but like he's literally become part of the pavement it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, and I like that they had the the guts to kill him because you know a lot of movies go like he's like the premier villain. We can't kill him. He's got to come back in the sequel. Well, you, know, you but... see, that's the thinking now, and that's what I loved about the older movies. That's that's specifically the superhero movies of the eighties. It was kind of like one and done. That's it. We're done. I mean, Burton had the guts not only to make Jack Napier the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents. I mean, it was such the perfect almost soap opera twist, you know, kind of like Luke, I am your father. It's like Batman, I killed your parents. It was very similar. And, you know, I, I don't think a lot of writers have the guts to kind of go there. This was actually pretty brave. It's like to do that and then kill him in that movie. It was very, and it was so satisfying. 
you didn't have to worry. You know, you weren't thinking, oh, he'll be back. You were like, oh, my God, is he dead? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, no, he then, is so – he could not be more dead than what I just saw. There is no comic book magic that will bring that back to life. No, we're not We're not going to use the mother box and we're not going to use any Snyder tricks to uh, yeah. electrocute the Joker to life. No, this guy's gone. Uh, and then we uh, we find out that all the Joker's gang has been rounded up and yes. everything is okay again. Um, and here comes the, the bat signal. One of my favorite – well, the bat signal and the, the final theme. Which has, was used in all the remaining Batman trailers from the Burton era into Schumacher, you know, Batman Triumphant. That, yeah, him just standing sent, as a sentinel, right on the, yes, on standing on parapet the, or whatever he is with a beautiful. Yeah, I mean, he's standing on the edge of a gargoyle for all intents and purposes with the, the theme playing. I love what that theme says at the end. It's so it's like so cheerful. It's it's almost tear jerking how good that music is because it's it's like it's like. I don't know what, what it means, but it's like this man is messed up in the head, but he's our savior. I don't I can't put it together. It's just so iconic. And yeah, he's he's the hero. He's what is he's not the hero, the hero we deserve. The hero, whatever that means. Yeah, but yeah it was he's like the hero 80s, we need. But in eighties thinking it was more like man messed up, but hero good. Yeah, yeah. Like, hero I mean good, Batman good. Yeah, it's there's something really cool that he is this like Prime. dark Avenger. He know, is a dark right. He's a venture of the and you know for a, for the first time with that music, it's kind of signaling that now that he's he's gotten rid of the man who killed his parents, you know, he's sort of found the light a little bit. Or there's there there's a sense, but they don't beat you over the head with it. You just see this man and you you see him in silhouette of, of and the cape is blowing and you hear the music and it it ends um, one of the one of again one of the most iconic. Uh, action comic book movies of, of the 80s, specifically 1989. The cultural impact, um, as we would both know, with the release of that film, as, as it was before with Christopher Reeve's Superman, there weren't a lot of superhero movies back then. A lot of them were by, you know, Golem Globus presents The Punisher. They were a little low budget or Captain America. It was, it was always cheesy. Roger Corman got involved. This was like, all right, 1989 signing out this this is the real deal. This is the movie to beat all movies. Back in 1989, yeah. this was a, such a cultural moment. I've talked about this on this show before, that it was kind of shocking that we did not get more superhero stuff in the 90s, certainly not at mm. this level. Like, we did get the sequels to this. In I like Batman Returns. The Schumacher ones can fuck off. They can, um, fu- they can fuck off. I, I'll say they can really fuck off with Batman and Robin. I, I, I have some love for Batman Forever. There's some fun things in it, but... He's still troubled, but you're right. They... they Look, they can fuck off, but they, but yes, Batman and Batman Returns. But it'll, for me, it'll always be Batman. Batman Returns. A lot of people cite that as their favorite. Believe it or not, I mean, he has the best suit, and he has the best. Well, I love the Christmas. Michelle set. Pfeiffer owns that movie. She, She's so good. She one hundred percent owns it. I mean, in all honesty, like I, I wish Christopher Walken wasn't such a third wheel because because he really didn't belong in the film. Say. No, <laughs> he I don't is know not. Say it. He's not in the film. He's, he's all right. He's all right, but he's a, like a third villain, kind of like what they do in all the other superhero movies. Yeah, he, where there's too many villains. Spider-Man Three. I'm looking at you. Yeah, you can do too many villains. I mean, look, Spider-Man No Way Home nailed it, right? But it's well, different. Yeah. It's just a different beast. Infinite possibility. Yeah, but like, but, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. We don't really get like a super awesome superhero movie until really probably Raimi Spider-Man or maybe the X-Men is 20, uh, 2000. Yeah. That's about when it kind of kicks back in and we're like, Hey, we can do this. We can make a good superhero we can movie. Do, I mean, I think, uh, I think, you know, with X-Men, you know, talking about the influences and what came in the future, I, I, for my money anyway, Spider-Man, I, I, I like, uh, the Spider-Man series, but I don't love it because for me, there wasn't, 
I will say the X Men, the first the first couple, specifically one, two, and um, and yes, Days of Future Past. I mean, three. I worked for Brett Ratner, but I, I won't say too many bad things. But um, the, there wasn't when when Chris Reeves Superman came out in the seventies and Batman came out in the eighties. There was a necessity. There almost felt like a need to to put those movies on the big screen. There was a necessity. I don't feel a lot of necessity in future superhero movies. Like it's just let's make it because we can, or we haven't uncovered that property yet. We haven't brought that property to the big screen. It's just a property. It's not a story about a human being in a costume. They did it so much better in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. But now it's kind of like, well, we haven't done Ant-Man yet. Let's do it. We haven't done Guardians yet. Let's do it. I mean, there's just so much fatigue. But there wasn't fatigue back then. It was so new and so fresh. And they were also released with amazing movies. I mean, Batman came out with what? Glory. Lethal Weapon 2. Ghostbusters 2. Last Crusade. The Last Crusade, 1989. I remember seeing that in theater as a nine-year-old. That was an amazing we, we experience. We did an episode on that, too. Yeah. Yeah. You got, I know. I really should actually listen. I've been so busy. I'm so sorry. That's actually, okay. Actually, no. You know what? It's like, no, I just feel lame. But You'll like The Last Crusade. Episode. I, I will actually. I will, I will listen to it. Um, uh, but yeah, there, the necessity is not there the way it was. And, you know, thank God I was a kid when the necessity was at such full force because I experienced it in full. There was no knowledge of really how films work. There was no, not, you know, it was just the fantasy come alive in the screen and a chance to see what I'd read about in comic books or heard about seen as a big screen interpretation, which became almost my only interpretation and others kind of coming in second or, Oh, that was a nice attempt to do a Tim Burton's Batman, but eh, it's just not Tim Burton's Batman. There's, I don't know. I'm just I'm just too nostalgic, but I just don't feel like these things can be beat. I, well, this is the template, right? Like, right. I think that without Richard Donner's Superman and Tim Burton's Batman, you don't get any of the superheroes that come movies that come after it, good or bad. Um, yeah. And all of the best ones, right? The best stuff from the MCU, the best stuff that's not from the MCU, the, the DC stuff, the, the Nolan right. stuff. None of that happens without this, and no. all all of the best stuff is mirroring something that comes from this movie. That's right. I mean, you look, you know, even the influential in other genres you have, I mean, you know, the matrix was another point. I'm talking about the first matrix. I'm not talking about the sequels. I'm talking about the, the, the good one, the matrix. You wouldn't have that. I mean, you, you know, clad in black clad in, I mean, you know, this, there was a TV spot for Batman that I remember hearing. It was, you know, a woman in danger, a hero in black. And I'm like, that's it. That's the vision. It's the man in black, not to say men in black. It's a hero in black. You know, that's all you need. It's a, it's a literal dark night come out of the darkness in a, in a grimy fantasy world. It, there, it was so clear, uh, the way they brought that to, to, the, to the screen. It was had such a clear acknowledgement of what it was. You don't get that a lot of movies anymore. I just feel. Yeah, and even something you look at like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, which yes. we haven't talk, talked no. about yet. Which I like. Uh, I like it as well. I think it's it's just a very different movie that's like this guy, is, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is so mentally ill. Like he is not planning heists. You know, he does not no. have that capacity. No. But he, you know, this guy is not the guy who goes up against Batman. It's a story of a mentally ill man. But is. there is stuff in there that's like, there are still shades of Nicholson in that performance. Yes. Or, or he's like, like there's, you just can't you just can't get away from this movie's orbit. It's it's or it's gravitational you pull. You'll see characters like God. Oh, that reminds me of a Nicholson, or that remind. I mean, even in the show Gotham, you know, when Cameron uh, Monaghan, I think it was, mm-hmm. you know, which and, and Gotham was actually a really good show. I thought um, he has shades. It's not so much oh God, that's Heath Ledger. It's really 
it's Jack. It's that million dollar smile. It's Jack. It's the iconic smile of the, you know, seventies and eighties. And it's, it's Jack Nicholson. And yes, when, when Heath Ledger, uh, not Heath Ledger, I'm sorry. When Joaquin Phoenix emerges, um, into the game show, which is the best for me, the best scene in Joker is, is really the game show, the talk show scene when he emerges, it's almost like this mentally ill man has kind of metamorphosized into Jack Nicholson in a weird way. I mean, I saw a lot of Jack in Joaquin Phoenix's performance. You're right. You can't get away from these sort of building blocks that were so perfectly set down with this film as they were again with Donner's Superman. You just can't get away from these iconic things to the point where the makers of these films, you know, you hear stories. It's like in, you know, uh, before we did uh, X-Men 12, we uh, had the cast and crew sit down and watch Christopher Reeve's Superman. You'll hear it. These people do watch these movies to try to get what they were doing so they could put it into their own version. So we just know, we know what the fundamental building blocks here. It, these movies are untouchable. I mean, they're, they're just untouchable. Well, I think that's a great place to, to leave it because I, I couldn't say anything better. Um, yeah. Yeah. Alex, I know you're working on, on a movie. Uh, so you want to, Tell uh, listeners what it is and what it's about. Yeah, sure, I appreciate it. Um, it's called The Canyon. It's a uh, uh, it's a horror it's a horror short that I uh, wrote and directed. We shot about three years ago. We had COVID come along. We've been uh, postponed in post production for just way too long that I want to get into. But um, it's called The Canyon. It's a um, it's really a throwback to um, kind of early supernatural slasher movies. It's I, I would say kind of seventies anti war movies, kind of like Deliverance meets. The Shining. So um, it's really a throwback to old fashioned 70s psychological films. And uh, I hope people like it. It's, um, you know, it's uh, I hopefully it's a good uh, a good short that kind of reminds people of films of the, of the past. Yeah. And uh, that's that's all I could say about the canyon without giving too much away in the actual story. Well, cool. Keep a keep a lookout for it, because as we're yeah. recording this, you're still finishing up post. So hopefully, yes. uh, hopefully you'll be able to get out this year. Or, or yeah, we're soon. actually we're we're, we're definitely. Um, uh, so color correction is the final step. We finished the last visual effects shot. Um, it's very light on visual effects. I want it to go old school. Uh, but yeah, once we finish color, we're looking at um, probably a complete finished film uh, this month in August and uh, hopefully in uh, film festivals. Uh, Shortly after, thereafter, we're going to have a screening party. We just don't know where the hell it's going to be yet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, one day, one day I will have all these answers, and that'll be another boring delve into this movie. It's just this movie's taken so long, Doug. It's just taken <laughs> so long, and I've lost so much sanity. But I guess when you lose sanity, it's it, you're just it's it's easier to understand Tim Burton's Batman, I suppose. It's, it's for know, art. It's, it's much. It's for art. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, cool. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad you come on and do this. Uh, quick yeah. admin on our side, of course. If you like this, find us on the social medias. We're just at Nostalgia Pod on Twitter or now X. Or I'm just I can't go with X because that's BS. So just call it ten. It's the Roman numeral ten. Uh, so it's the new Bond villain. It's, it's right. the new Bond villain uh, domain name, whatever whatever he's going to change until the next one, until right. uh, Excelsior or whatever the hell he decides to call it. Right. So we're there. We're on uh, threads and we're on uh, Instagram. And follow us on the Instagram spot because that's where I put bonus stuff for each episode every week. So uh, find Nostalgia Mark Cannon there. If you have thoughts on this episode or our recent ones, which include uh, Muppet Treasure Island, uh, we did one on Yu-Gi-Oh, Doom, and before that, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think coming up after this is Clueless. I'm not sure. I've gotten very far ahead of where we are in the recording schedule. So I think that's next on the docket, but I'm not 100% sure. But regardless, there's something cool you're going to hear next week, I hope. So 
Um, that'll do it. So, uh, Alex, thanks again for dropping by, man. Oh, good to see pleasure. you again. No, good to see you. It's been a lot. It's it's yeah. What people don't know is uh, I rarely see you, but it's a uh, it's amazing to see you in person and uh, just uh, having known you since we were uh, little babies. Yeah, amazing. We're a lo- we're a little bit older now, but we're I don't know. Just a hit. Just we're a just, hit. We're still kids, yeah. I think. Oh, oh, we're definitely still kids. We're just definitely look at the list of episodes I've done on this show. <laughs> yeah. I am still a child. Um, so uh, yeah, until next time, there's one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcanum. Yes, really. I'm not trying to start shit, I'm just saying. Just so you know for future reference, that was even close to an accurate projection. That's like you asking me how tall I am, and me saying I'm 6'8". I'm not a tall man, okay? That's why I gotta wear this bat suit to be scary. Just be comfortable with who you are. You're a full-bodied woman? Just own it, girl. This was not the time to be self-conscious. I asked you your weight for a practical reason. I, I didn't just suddenly become overwhelmed with a superficial curiosity during a high-speed chase. If I didn't use the grappling hook with the right tensile strength to carry both of us, the thing would have snapped off and then we would have been both on our asses. You're lucky this thing held on. You endangered both of us. Why, because of vanity? Like you don't know exactly how much you weigh. Ugh, give me a break. You are an asshole. You know what? I was gonna take you for a ride in my cool car and show you my even cooler back cape, but now you can forget it. Good. Fine. Fine. Fanny. What? Uh, 